0: Thank <laughs> you. Hello and welcome to The Sharp Way. Yes, it's Larry Sharp here yet again for another episode, an exciting episode with amazing guests as always. Look, if you want to join the program today, I know we usually have a phone call, but not this time. Instead, head over to our Sharp Way Facebook page or our Sharp Way YouTube page and put in what you want to chat. I will then check it out and I will ask questions to this amazing guest that I'm very lucky to have today. The former, a former mayor, a former senator, a former governor, hitting them all. I love it. From Island, Lincoln Chafee, how are you, sir?
1: Very well, Larry. Also, I was a former Republican, former Democrat, former Independent, and now Libertarian. That's exactly
0: right. Yes, we've got them all. I've hit them all. Yes, Republican, Independent, Democrat, uh, Libertarian. That spells riddle. And that is a riddle. Please, Governor, tell me, why does someone go like that? Tell me what happens. How does someone make that shift?
1: Well, first of all, I do want to thank you for having me on the show and a great studio you have here. <laughs> thank you. Thank press. you. Press, you have a fireplace in the studio. I I've know. Seen come that on. Before. It would
0: be nice and warm during Christmas time. It's nice.
1: Well, I used to be a, a liberal New England Republican, mm-hmm. and the party changed over my time since I first got involved in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And Uh, There was no room for someone like me. In fact, in my Mm -hmm. last Senate race in 2006, I was primaried, had a primary from the right. Mm -hmm. I won the primary. I'm very proud of that. Nice. Uh, But it cost me the general election, having to spend all my money on the primary. Sure. And so the party was changing. I didn't feel comfortable as a Republican Mm -hmm. and uh, ran for governor as an independent, was lucky to win. That's and,
0: amazing! You won the governorship as an independent.
1: Yes, first independent governor in Rhode Island history. Wow! But you, ha- but you, hold on. You have governors though in your past
0: in your history, don't you?
1: Yes, but first independent governor. Gotcha. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, I found it difficult to govern as an independent. I know Jesse Ventura and mm-hmm. Angus King and others have done it, but I found it difficult. Yeah, but Jesse
0: it, did too. That's why I left.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You need somebody to have your back, a party to have your back, right. so to speak. And so I uh, became a Democrat and finished my term as governor, and then put my toe into the water in the presidential race as a yep. Democrat. But through all that, Larry, I had never changed on what I believe in. Mm-hmm. I've always been one uh, to take care of the books. Yep. make sure we don't have deficits as a mayor and as a governor and as, as a senator. You're also
0: an anti-war guy. I yes. mean, that. I mean, I, I, I remember when about you
1: these foreign entanglements that when you sucked ran the life in the out of our primary. treasury and our people.
0: Yeah, the Democratic primary for you, I remember, that was a big deal for you, right? You were really yes. – one of the reasons – I remember you spoke about this. One of the reasons why you were running – I'm sure there are many of them,
1: but many of them
0: – the, one of the reasons was anti-war, right? Yes, and you thought the, Hillary was too much – Yes, a hawk.
1: Yeah, too much of a hawk, sure. And she voted for the Iraq War, and I just didn't want the our nominee again, like John Kerry, to be uh, a war supporter, an Iraq War supporter.
0: Right, so have you always been anti-war?
1: Well, I grew up in the Vietnam era. Uh, I just missed the draft myself, Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, certainly my friends went off and uh, those that came back were scarred forever. So the uh, ramifications on all levels of unnecessary wars uh, was something that stuck deeply with me since I came up through that Vietnam era. The only candidate... And I vowed to myself, never again, never again, and when the drums started uh, rolling and the bugles calling for Iraq. I said, I just don't think they're weapons of mass destruction. I was right.
0: Well, it's funny. If you look at now the Democratic candidates who everyone's talking about because of debates now, right? In the debates, kind of the only really anti-war candidate has been Tulsi Gabbard. And she hasn't necessarily been anti-war. She's been more anti-regime change war. Do you make that definition? Are you are you anti-war or are you anti-regime change war?
1: Well, I'd also add that uh, Senator Sanders voted against the Iraq war as a congressman. Mm, in, so okay. I'll give him his chops for that. Sure. Uh, and Tulsi, certainly, uh, Congressman Gabbard's been uh, good on that. Uh, for me, it's uh, only when necessary to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. And too often we get into these quagmires, these endless entanglements uh, right. without doing our due diligence and uh, – it's just not fair to our people and to our uh, the taxpayers that have to support it.
0: Yeah. So I look at – and me being a veteran, I'm a veteran myself. I don't yeah. know if you know my background, yes, but I, I was in the Marine Corps for, yes. for about seven years. And I, I spend some time talking to vets, and I find that when they come back, particularly combat veterans.
1: Absolutely. But
0: non-combat too. When they come back, they're often lost. They, they, they often can't find that home again, and we are not doing a good job of helping them out. I think that's a common problem. I see it often. And what I often see when people talk about anti-war is the damage and the cost. I also think about our veterans, right? When they come back, how about them now, right? That That is an issue that I have. Do you have any view on that? The Absolutely. VA and things Absolutely.
1: of that sort? Absolutely. After Vietnam in particular, those poor people that came back and yes. what they suffered with for Absolutely. years and decades— And the cost, uh, not only to the individual, but for the rest of us, for the care, as you mentioned. They absolutely should have the best care. And and it it is expensive. So if we don't have to get into these entanglements, uh, let's avoid them at all costs. And... uh, so, uh, so I let's did not, as go I to, said, I was not drafted, but my dad served in Guadalcanal in the Korean War. and Was uh, he a Marine or a soldier? A Marine. He was a Marine. Good. Yes. Excellent. And, Marines, uh, Marines are the best. Yes, he would are. never talk about it. So <laughs> yes. for those of us that did not serve, right. it's hard to uh, relate with the uh, adrenaline and everything that goes with being it's in combat. It's
0: very funny that you say that. A lot of veterans that I know, and it's one of their problems, when vets come back, they have trouble actually – Promoting themselves, like talking about themselves. They do terrible Can't on do things it. like – they do terrible on, 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 on resumes. They're terrible when it comes to interviewing skills. I remember I'm training a bunch of veterans. This is maybe a couple of years back. And I'm trying to do an exercise where I tell them, hey, give me a success story, right? As if you're being hired, give me a success story. And while we're talking, I have one guy who's just fighting me. He won't give me a success story. He won't do it. And finally he says, well, yeah, I saved a guy's life once. You didn't think that was a valuable thing to say, right? And here's the best part. You know what that guy wanted to be?
1: He wanted to suppress the whole experience.
0: He wanted to be a security guard. Are you telling me if you're hiring a security guard, it wouldn't be important to you know that the guy you're looking at saved somebody already? That's kind of an important thing, right? If you're the hiring manager hiring security guards, that's like the perfect thing to say. And we had to fight to get this out of him. He wouldn't say it because in his eyes, doing his job.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Do they don't want job. to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. Do my job. Yes. So I think it's it's a very valid point. So if I could keep moving.
1: Yes. One more thing on the war in Iraq. Tell me, also, uh, uh, there were no weapons of mass destruction. So we sent all these young men and women over there on a false premise. Sure. It just makes my blood boil that we did it again on all the lies. But there and, are. And then they gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom to George Tennant. <gasps> yes. He gave him the Presidential. Medal of the highest civilian honor yes. for lying over and over again about WMD in Iraq, and I like to say conversely, Edward Snowden's a criminal. Yes. What's wrong with this country? Absolutely, yes. George right? Tenet gets a Medal of Honor, and poor Snowden, who told the truth, yep, didn't tell the lies. This is a huge is problem. Locked up in some embassy in Moscow somewhere. We're so We've got to worried change about this country
0: rule of law. We're so worried about rule of law that we have, we, we've created an environment to where the whistleblower is now the criminal, right? That's certainly true about Snowden. Yes, right? Snowden should be a hero. He should have should gotten a, a Medal hero. of Freedom. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. And For, George Tenet should be in jail. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. Or send him over to, to Moscow. So he can sit yes. there and sit in Russia. It's fine. Either one works. I completely agree. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that That's the issue. I completely agree. We have an environment now to where the whistleblower is on a bad person. But this goes to our society, right? The idea that everything has to be zero tolerance. So if anybody says anything, the damage is catastrophic. There's no conversation when someone makes an error or mistake. So you have one or two things. Everybody's telling on everybody for every little thing, or everybody's mouth is shut. There's no middle ground of conversation to make change. We're so worried about punishing the bad guy, which of course you should. I get that. We're not worried about stopping the behavior.
1: Well, that's why the Libertarian Party's so good. It's that's another what I'm saying. way. That. It's another
0: way. There Finally. we go. I like this guy. You're rocking and rolling, my friend. I like that. Yes, that's exactly correct. I've been correct. a Democrat. I've yes. been a Republican. Yes. They both
1: got us into Iraq. That is exactly
0: true. With yes. lies. Absolutely. And and this is the thing that you find, I think, with most libertarians. They're not only against regime change wars. They're against wars in general. Yes, yes. Just war in general. Why are we doing this? Why are we using force when we're not attacked? But let's go to the WMD world, right? We're talking about that now. There are WMDs in North Korea. We know this right? That's a fact. There probably will be soon WMDs in Iran. Does that mean, does that give us the uh, authority in your eyes to go to war?
1: Well, by WMD, I'm assuming nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just have to assume, in my view, Mm -hmm. that in this dangerous world we live in, Pakistan has nuclear weapons. That's correct. Uh, India has nuclear weapons. Yes. Russia has nuclear weapons. It, it, we just have to have a better way when we're dealing with such powerful forces of destruction, whether Iran gets them or North Korea has them. It, it's inevitable that they're going to proliferate unless we work better together. We're getting away from nonproliferation, regrettably, which was Reagan and mm-hmm. Nixon and some fairly so, hawky-type people. So, but they also worked for nonproliferation. So we, got, we need a better way. And it's, I believe it's the libertarian way. It, it they're does are so that strong mean... on being, avoiding these uh, endless entanglements. So you think war is not the answer here? Absolutely not the answer. Okay. Good. The, the hard work is diplomacy. Yes. The hard work is trying to avoid war. Yes. And it never goes recognized. We avoided war. You know, I spoke and about this. Those people, those diplomats that do that successfully, we'll, we'll never hear from them. I spoke about this
0: about two weeks ago, the idea of – when we, when we decide that someone's a bad guy versus a good guy, right? we do it very often. And who These says guys are bad, bad guys?
1: guys. Yeah. Who says they're bad? We're, we do because we're, we're yeah, good. we
0: preached to. <laughs> yes, we're good, right? So those guys are bad guys. Chavez,
1: <laughs> bad. I don't believe it. He's not bad. He wasn't bad in Venezuela. Now the new guy, Maduro. We're all being brainwashed into Maduro bad. Well, what, what I'm saying is no
0: matter what, we're saying that the other guy is bad, right? Okay. And when we do that, it then becomes black and white. And then how can you talk to this guy because he's evil, right? We demonize the other so much that now we can't talk to him. And it brought us up a couple weeks ago, right? We did this in World War II. We had unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender means the Germans and the Japanese weren't going to surrender because they didn't want to accept unconditional surrender. If we would have just talk to them, Larry, are you saying talk to Nazis? Yes, if it'll end a war, Talk to them. Yes. How about instead in 1944, when the Germans were trying to kill Hitler, we actually would have talked to them and said, hey, guys, Germans, give us your top Nazis and we'll talk peace. We would have ended the war in 44. Going to, German, going to Japan, say, Japan, we won't take your emperor. They all thought we would take their emperor. We, and we didn't anyway. We're not going to take your emperor. You know, let's talk Peace. They would have ended the war in 44. No Okinawa, no Iwo Jima, no D-Day, no millions of Jews killed in the last year of the war. All these people don't die. No Hiroshima,
1: no Nagasaki. No
0: Nagasaki, no nuclear bombs, all gone because we're going to be righteous. Well, we that's do that constantly. Churchill
1: said, I'd rather jaw, jaw, jaw than war, war, war.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think we really lost that. So can I totally shift gears for a second? Of course. Sure, sure, Larry. This is local issues which are going into other areas. I want to see if I can grab um, – this is actually a, a – uh, a from the from the web. This is a guy named Doc Prime on YouTube. He says, what do you think about Trump's proposal to make vapes and e-cigs illegal? Now, Trump was talking about that. In New York State, our emperor, his majesty, uh, Andrew Cuomo II, he has deemed by royal decree as of yesterday that – all the flavored um, e-liquids are now banned.
1: Do you have a feeling either way on this? Well, people are going to use them. And just as prohibition, people are going to find a way to drink. You mean it, prohibition doesn't work? Yes. No, it didn't work. Oh, all it oh means my is God. Now there's a black market for oh vaping. Oh, my God. Yes. It, it just, uh, so if that's what he wants, to all of a sudden make this a black market with people in the shadows are making the money and the people that – want to vape, all of a sudden they're going to jail or getting fined or whatever the penalty might be. Uh, I just don't think that makes sense.
0: But there's, a, there's, a, there's an emotional aspect to this, People right? People are going to do it. But there is an emotional aspect. I mean, children, I guess, I don't know who they are, but supposedly children have been who have died from this, right? So there is an emotional aspect, right? Nobody wants kids to die. So isn't someone going to say, evil Larry, evil Lincoln, you guys want babies to die?
1: I haven't heard of an epidemic of children dying from vaping. That's true. There is an epidemic, but I think six died. I think that's correct. Okay, I think six so, kids died since twenty twenty. So take it away from all the other people that want to vape?
0: My issue here has always been the same, and I said it earlier today, and I'll say it again. If your child died because of a, a vaping product, I feel horrible for you. That's a terrible thing. I, I hope that you don't lose your child. The reality of it is the kids who died, they died from illegal black market products. So the reality of it is the e sig or the e-liquid or the vaping product didn't actually kill your child. The black market killed your child. We should be trying to avoid the black market so no one else has to Why feel that pain. Why would a child vape? Because they grab it off, they grab the they grab it off of the place where they can get it, right? Because they can't get it anyplace else. A lot of, in in many places you can't get a THC vape; it's against the law. You can't get a certain type of vape; it's against the law. So they get black market, right? Some of them they they can't get it at it because it's uh, eighteen or twenty-one years old. So they, they get it anyway, right? So that happens. So I I get it; it's terrible, but let's not have a black market, right? Th- there's always an unintended consequence that people often don't see. Yes, yeah, so
1: as you say, once you tr- go off an emotional. That's exactly like after 9-11. We've got to go hit yes. somebody right away. And everyone's emotions are angry. They were scared. Yes. And here we go again. Six children died because of vaping. So now here comes a whole new black market. Absolutely. And what's going to happen is
0: more kids will die. Right? This will actually kill more children. This idea of I'm going to do something symbolic because I care will actually make it to where more people are going to die. So let me ask you, if, if you're, you're tomorrow, you're governor of New York. Right. Um, I know you're not a New Yorker, but sake of argument. Right. You governor New York. What do you do about vaping? People are complaining about this and worried about it. What do you do? Uh, you know, Trump is talking about it. What's but, your action?
1: Uh, I know that the Constitution restricts what the federal government can do. The Tenth Amendment says that anything not listed in the Constitution is reserved for the states. So, yes. Uh, I but don't in this case, how... you're the governor. So you could do something if you want to. Yes. I don't know whether he's going to put it on some federally banned uh, like heroin on one of these uh, schedules, as they call these oh, drugs. Oh yes! Oh my God! Is he going to make
0: vaping a Schedule One drug, yes, whatever exactly. that is? Vaping liquids now Schedule yeah, so One the drug. Then
1: the states' rights are uh, infringed upon.
0: Oh, that's no. It's a very valid point, right? If he would do something like that, it would affect the states, and you wouldn't be able to deal with it as a governor. Correct. Yeah. How about the idea of allowing the people who are the vapors to give you some ideas on how to regulate, and then creating smart regulations like any other
1: product? Well, I don't want to turn this uh, your show here into Trump bashing, but this is kind of par for the course. What's, mm-hmm. what's next? What tweet is coming out next without, as you say, <laughs> how true. about having a, a, a get-together and talking about the problem of vaping and how we deal with it? No, it's a tweet, and all of a sudden – Yeah. Uh,
0: well, look, I, I, we don't have Trump But that's, Trump that's bash. what we're living
1: with for four years, so uh,
0: – I'm not a Trump basher. Um, mo- met too many people I know have put Trump into two separate boxes, which drives me personally crazy. But it doesn't change anything. One, Trump is either the, ev- the most evilest guy on the planet we've ever known, and he's the, the root of all problems. My car broke down. Trump did it. Right? Doesn't matter. That's, that's person one. And it's all the Russians' fault. Yes, exactly. And the other one is he's the God King. And whatever he says is true and righteous, all hail the God King. He's always playing 6D chess. No matter what he does, it's always happening that way. And my point is he's just a man i get why some people like him as people don't but he's not the root of all evil and he's not the god king he's a man and i wish he'd stop tweeting <laughs> i really wish he would stop tweeting this is how i look upon trump so i'm, I'm glad you said it. so if you're governor of new york for some reason you're telling me that you just let vaping go
1: yeah i don't see it as the top priority of uh issues we have to deal with uh Certainly the deficits were, that a trillion dollar this Absolutely. year, uh, getting out of these entanglements in Yemen and trying to foster better relations with the North Koreans, and the Iranians, and the Russians. And uh, there's, there's, there's about seven or 800 Better economy, Lower shops. taxes, all these, sure. this kind of work is probably where she, we should put putting our energies rather than who vapes and who doesn't.
0: You've brought up the, the, the monetary issue, and I'm going to stay on vaping for a couple of seconds. Because it's New York State and it bothers me a lot. I covered a lot of vape shops while I was running for governor last year. I must have gone to dozens of them. And every place I went, I found dedicated people who were trying to quit bad habits, creating community, and it was a wonderful environment. And there's, what, I think over 700 vape shops in uh, New York State. All of those vape shops are going to be crushed. Right now, already, they're seeing a 30 to 60% decrease in sales already, that means people are going to start losing jobs. That means store, stores get closed down. That means entrepreneurs get their hopes crushed. And New York State's already losing 150,000 people every single year. And, and a crazy thing, literally, I was in D.C. last week, I was, uh, this weekend, and I was, uh, I was emceeing a blockchain, government blockchain event. And this is out of the blue. People start talking about how New York State has a problem with business attrition, these are people not from New York. So outside of our state, they know we have business attrition. And now the vaping industry gets hit. It just makes things worse. We're not getting that the more you punish the more the little guy gets punished, and then you stifle innovation and you stifle entrepreneurship, and you wonder why everyone's leaving.
1: Yeah, it's all the small stores are suffering under Amazon anyway. Now, yes. here comes another sledgehammer blow. Ex- yes, yeah, so I've
0: got Amazon on one side, I've got the big box Walmart on the other, and I got the government in the middle smacking me in the face. Absolutely. No
1: more mom and pop stores.
0: Yes, gone. All right, if I could topics, switch topics again, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, this is from, um again, from YouTube. What is your opinion on Beto O'Rourke's statement, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s?
1: Well, Larry, uh, as a candidate uh, for president when I I was a Democrat, uh, answering that question, I said nothing's going to happen with any kind of restrictions, whether it's AR-15s, 17s, whatever, assault weapons, without everybody getting together, whether Mm -hmm. it's the— NRA or other Second Amendment advocates, we've all got to get together and decide what works best without the threat of coming to take away your guns. And uh, some of these discussions about uh, how we deal with uh, assault weapons or or such uh, uh, high caliber weapons and the like uh, has to be done with everybody together. So I'm not just saying this to uh, the libertarian, which is pro-guns, sure. but I said it to a Democratic audience. Sure. And I like to be consistent. We all need to get to the table together uh, on these issues.
0: So the, the, the worry I have, right, two worries I have. Number one is if you do the get-together, I think the vast majority of Americans, pro and anti-2A, will almost all agree on the idea of better background checks. That's a common thing that most people agree with.
1: Uh, even the libertarians for my short time in the party, uh, it might correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the statement of principle says no restrictions. Correct. Yes, absolutely. What
0: I'm saying is you, you mentioned everyone getting together. Yes, I'd so like to see I'm that saying... on
1: background checks and some of these other issues. Say it again? Uh, if, if it is on background checks and some of these issues, if the NRA can say this is something we can agree with and even the most radical Second Amendment advocates say, OK, this is something we can agree to. That's the only way it's going to get passed. In well, my view, anyone who considers too many Americans love their guns too much is just the truth of the matter.
0: Well, the, the reality is if anyone is a would would self-identify as a radical Second Amendment supporter, they're going to say nothing. Right. They're going to say zero, nothing. I'm going with your point, which was if we get together, and the one thing I think most of us can get together on, if you're looking at togetherness, is the idea of a better background check. If that was proposal put to you, how would you feel about that? Would you say, yeah, we can do background checks, or not even that?
1: If everybody got together.
0: 90%. And, uh, 10% are going to say, nope, nothing.
1: I think everybody. 90% we can, say, yeah. need
0: 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, Otherwise, okay. it's not going to pass. I like that. That's my 100%. experience. I love it. Okay. That's real democracy. 100%. I love it. That's awesome. I love it. Um, Ken Moeman says he's enjoying the interview. Um, he, he asks if your perceptions on firearms have changed since you moved to the West, or are they the same?
1: Well, I worked out West uh, after college. Uh, I spent seven years in Montana and Alberta, Canada. So this isn't my first exposure to uh, how much uh, Westerners love their firearms. Uh, But I'll even say, even in Rhode Island, uh, surprisingly to me, as I campaigned Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the state, that this issue would come up on gun ownership. And uh, oftentimes it was a single issue for people. Yes. They wanted to know if I was going to stand up for their Second Amendment rights. And if I wasn't, they weren't going to vote for me. And It just surprised me, even in Rhode
0: Island. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you see it in New York, too. Um, Downstate – Yes. New York City. Yes. You don't see it at all. I mean, right. downstate New York City people, the vast majority are like, take them all away. Nobody should have guns except the cops. Let them oppress us. We're happy with the cops oppressing us. That's how most people in New York City feel. I mean, it's probably eight to one. I mean, lots of New York City people think, get rid of all the guns, cops only. But when you go upstate. Yes. You, you ran do for find, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Things change. At you these find- forums, people are asking your questions and
0: it's definitely different. Yes. Absolutely. So, good. All right, let me see if I can grab another question, if I could. Um, are, are you, there, there's there been, uh, there has been some rumor that you were considering running for the president under the LP ticket. Um, do you think that, uh, you have credibility to do such a thing, are you considering doing such a thing? Is that rumor true, not true?
1: Well, when I moved to Wyoming, I registered, I went down to the uh, county board of canvases to register uh, to vote. And I didn't want to be a Republican. I didn't want to be a Democrat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I looked at the Libertarians and looked at the Statement of Principles and their preamble and learned a little bit about them and said, that's what I'm registering as. And uh, three, four months went by, and some reporter picked up on it, and then— uh, people started asking me about how I wanted to be involved in the party. So it's a new experience. I just registered. Oh, I
0: like that. So people like kind of came to you and that e- kind of thing. Yes, I had kept
1: my head Love down, my mouth that.
0: shut. And, uh, no, I, I happened to me too. So I'm glad. Yes, and same thing. And you said
1: earlier before the show started that I'm on, you said, I'm new. You are, Larry, I'm new to the party. Mm-hmm. I got involved in 2012. Well, I, that makes me really new. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I yes. Got, I registered in March. So, Absolutely. Uh, yes. A lot, a lot to learn.
0: Yes, that's good. No, okay, so but it's I'm a enjoying,
1: I'm enjoying uh, meeting new people and uh, new thoughts and uh, definitely a new direction for the country. We so, desperately need um, that.
0: Robert asks, is there a way you think you could help to unify the party? Um, I think um, Gary Johnson was trying to unify the party, I think. Is there a way that maybe someone with your stature, being an elected governor like him, is there a way you think you can help unify the party in that you've joined?
1: Well, as I said, I'm learning. I know I'm just learning about the different caucus Mm -hmm. groups. uh, And uh, in every political party, there are factions. Of course. So this isn't unique. And uh, it's always good if you do get united. Sure. uh, And so anything I can add to that certainly would work towards that goal.
0: Okay. Well, talking about factions, let me go to another, a totally different side, if I could. You find people... Again, I'm going back to democratic primary because it's happening now. There are a lot of people now with uh, who are on the libertarian side who like Andrew Yang. To uh, a faction within our party, right, that like Andrew Yang. Some of them really like his idea of UBI, universal basic income, that they have a thousand dollars per month to every American. Do you have any view on that? Well,
1: I think what the libertarians like is an outsider. That's true. And yes. And uh, and then some of his economic proposals, but I'd say in this climate we're in now, anybody that's an outsider is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, certainly true for Trump, and in a way for Bernie Sanders uh, back in sixteen, mm-hmm. that phenomenon that occurred with Sanders—he was kind of seen as an outsider, an sure. authentic outsider, not uh, BSing us. Uh, but do you have a
0: feeling on on the idea of universal basic income? Either the entire concept of it, right, which is a separate concept, or specifically his idea, which is an offshoot of it, right, which is $1,000 per month to every American. Any of you on that
1: either way? Yes, with what's happening with uh, Amazon and Walmart, we mentioned earlier, uh, and, and the, the crush on the middle class, uh, Switzerland is already doing something along those lines. Uh, it's almost uh, like Karl Marx was right back in 1850. There's got to be a system for the displaced worker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can argue with a Marxism or socialism is that system, but mm-hmm. now uh, Yang is coming up with another sure. system uh, to help the displaced worker. So,
0: and, so you think it may be a good idea?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, we, uh, worth looking at. I will say about Yang, though, I like somebody that has some elected experience mm-hmm. myself to see how they have performed under pressure in, a, sure. in an elected. He has, doesn't have that uh, experience. Being well, he elected. does body
0: surf. Yeah, yeah, but he the hasn't been elected serves. even dog so catcher or something. <laughs> yes.
1: Trump's our first president that uh, hasn't been either a general or a held elective true? office. Uh, maybe Herbert Hoover, but precious oh, few. Oh, no, no, I see. Yeah, I'd no, rather no. have someone at least be a councilman
0: or a state yeah. senator. Uh, or a, so you can, you count being a general as being elected office? Is
1: that how you well, count it's that? Well, it's dealing with a big government bureaucracy and big, being big in charge of bureaucracy. it. bureaucracy, okay. And government's different, let's mm-hmm. face it.
0: Got it. Okay, good. All right. Um, do you feel like the war on drugs right now, and this is from John from Facebook, do you feel like the war on drugs is succeeding, failing? Should all drugs be legalized? Should some be legalized? Well, where, firstly, where do you,
1: what do you feel on that? Firstly, the war on drugs, I think it's a massive failure. And look at all the corruption in South America and Central America and those poor governments that have to deal with our mandates on what they have to do with interdiction and substitution and eradication, all these programs that we mandate they do with our money that we spend down in these countries. And it all goes underground. Right. And then the police get corrupt, and then the banks get corrupt, and then the courts get corrupt, because there's so much money in this industry underground. So I think it's been a massive failure. And I would propose, if I were president, the United Nations take up a summit on what we do with— illegal drugs and mm-hmm. which should we make them legal and how we make them legal does that include some of the more radical ones opium or whatever heroin all these things and how do we deal with it uh, all these countries that produce it and they're mm-hmm. always going to produce it sure no matter what we do with substitution sure. eradication if you and go you end though
0: aren't you going to have a problem with a lot of the countries who kind of like status quo and kind of don't want to legalize anything, right? There, there are many countries that actually enjoy the status quo. Like you said, they're making money off the war on drugs, right? We're uh, paying no, them no, to no, do Larry, this stuff. I think
1: the criminals are making uh, the money. Well, sometimes uh, the government in, and criminals are the same. Uh, well, yeah, but... I mean, depending upon what country you're yeah, in. Yeah, but the poor people get caught in the crossfire. Yes. And uh, I think whether it's Colombia or Uruguay or some of these Central American countries that are known for producing uh, Peru... Uh, cocaine say and the Let's go to like, a place like uh, Turkey. They would
0: probably, yes. Let's go to Turkey. Or Afghanistan. Um, no, no, hold on. Turkey, Afghanistan. Afghanistan might be okay with legalizing, but Turkey's been putting people in prison for life for decades for them to actually go, oh, we were just kidding. You know, we're kidding. Drugs are fine. I mean, that would basically turn half of their police force into criminals overnight, right? I mean, social criminals, if not actual criminals. Thailand, horrible yes. on that. Vietnam, yes. horrible on drugs. I mean, these have been countries that have been, I mean, cruel on their drug users. Are. Philippines, perfect example. Oh my God, they're they're executing people in the streets. Yes. If you ask someone like, um, was it Duarte? I think that's the, the president of the Philippines. If you asked him, he's going to say, no. If you go UN, aren't you inviting... Warlords to basically vila, veto any drug um, change.
1: Well, we did it with the United States with uh, prohibition and all the Al Capones, and of course, people continued to drink, but they they all made the, the the rum runners made the money, right? And then we repealed the prohibition amendment. So we uh, th- that's probably a good example of what United Nations could do. But say, what was it 12, let's 12 years try of something. prohibition? Didn't China used to have opium dens and places where you could go legally and. Uh, so let's try legalizing this, see if we can drive it out from underground, regulate it, maybe get some revenue out of it, a little bit of revenue to help pay for our schools and our uh, services that we need. Uh, okay. And I think it would be a good exercise for the United Nations. Okay. Put
0: them to work. Um, let's see if I grab another let's hear
1: for. from these countries. As you said, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they. Uh, My gut tells like me the all the war board are going to be so. happy with the way it works, they don't uh, want to change anything. Well, maybe the criminals would, but I think the I think they're going the hand in hand half are, these countries. I mean if, if you were to take you can't even get a fair trial. They're all the courts are
0: Absolutely. Yeah. If if you go to a place like Philippines, Colombia, Russia even, you get arrested for drugs, you're gonna spend more time in jail waiting for your trial than you would get if you actually got prison time for your crime. I mean, that's, you're going to spend four years in a Russian jail before you go to trial, and they sentence you to two. So they say, just go home. You've been in jail for four years. I'm not sure those guys are going to, you know, I don't know, make this happen. Don't you think the war on drugs is a massive failure? 100%. Yes. Um, I wouldn't use the UN at all. I would just end it immediately in the United States. And I would I would follow the the Portugal model or uh, close, or maybe even follow, if, if I had to, I would even follow the Holland model. It isn't the perfect model, but I'd follow any model that this country could accept to end the war on drugs. When I ran for governor, one of my things was I wanted to regulate cannabis like onions. Only difference was to let, if you're 18 years or older, to purchase it, right? Otherwise, just grow it like a plant. Just let farmers grow it. And my concept was, if I allow and just let it go and let the farmers actually grow, then they will create craft grows on the small farms in upstate New York. They'll do that naturally. We have that happening in New York State now with wineries, with beer distributors, that's happening already, uh, craft craft uh, brews. So we'd have craft grows in New York State. I wouldn't have to add an extra tax at all because the, the revenue would keep coming from businesses. And if you come here in New York City right now, if you went on your phone and, and looked for a cannabis app, you could have an app you could press and you could have a guy on a bicycle deliver weed to you on a bicycle within 20 minutes, and you'd pay him right there. That's what we have in New York City right now. So one of the people teased me once when I was running and said, "Vote for Larry. If you like your dealer, you keep your dealer, right?" Because the idea is immediately the guy who's a dealer wouldn't have to run the ground. He go, "Wait a minute. So if I just get an LLC or an S corp, I can use the courts. I can call the cops if someone steals my weed. I can sue somebody if they don't pay. You know what?" That's worth it. I don't have to carry a gun. or you street justice? I don't got to hit somebody over the head with a bat. I don't have to do that. I don't have to break anybody's legs. You know what? I'm becoming uh, Cannabis Inc. And then you can keep a dealer and I'll stop paying taxes. And whatever taxes he pays is more than we got.
1: Right? So, yes. well, I, I still say extend it, uh, do some work with Central America because it is our policies and uh, it, it does affect how people fleeing their homes for all the drug wars that are going on. And, uh, well, let me and ask also a crazy in South question America, it, it, in our hemisphere, we could have a good program of how we deal with the failure of the war on drugs.
0: What if the
1: Western hemisphere
0: we simply ended all of those policies? What if we simply said, I don't care what you do, do whatever you want. Your country, your policies,
1: no streets attached, good luck. Probably a lot of them would legalize it. I think Uruguay is already going down the, that road.
0: So maybe it's that simple.
1: Yes. Maybe
0: it's a walk away policy. Maybe it's a walk away. We're going to walk away yes. and good luck, Central yes. America. You'll be fine without us. We, we're, we're not going to be there. And we'll even lead the way and legalize it here. And we'll lead the way and legalize it here. So in your eyes, is it cannabis is it everything? What is it in your eyes?
1: Oh, good question. Uh, take it step by step. Cannabis mm-hmm. first, and I'll see how we do.
0: Well, when people ask me, I said the same thing. I agree with you. I think I think you start with cannabis because if you start with cannabis, some of the other problems will also go away. the The, the field will change, right? As you begin to let cannabis out, the field will change. There'll be less people using other drugs. We don't know what will happen. I, I I agree. Awesome. All right. Um. That's already a question you already asked. Um, we have someone on the uh, YouTube asks, "How do you like your steak cooked?"
1: Rare, rare. There we go. If yes. it's a good cut, if it's a, medium rare, that. if it's a so-so cut,
0: <laughs> I like that. I'm a medium rare guy myself, so I I I, I like that. Um, let me move down another road, if I could. We're, we're looking now at the idea of social media, right? We're on social media right now. We're streaming on many parts of social media. There is a push now to somehow control or regulate or – Can I just
1: answer the state question? Don't forget your question, but the state question. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh When I finished high uh, college, Tell I me. Uh, became a horseshoer and worked on racetracks in, in Alberta, it's Canada. It's called uh, a
0: ferrier, yes. is that right? Yes. Farrier, right? Yes. And I did trotters and yep.
1: pacers, the mm-hmm. harness horses, and uh, – and one time, one of the trainers had me out to his farm and uh, to, sh- to shoe his horses on the farm. And it turned out he was a meat cutter. And mm. he said, "Can I pay you in steaks?" After I to, I've worked there all day, and I said, "Sure." And he had a freezer and he had a cardboard box and he just threw in all these steaks. They were all marked porterhouse, T-bone, <laughs> ribeyes, yeah, New York strip. I never knew what any of these were but all right. i learned so in answer to the, the steak question also ribeye is my favorite from that experience of having wow. tried, tried them all i would have more are good uh so ribeye is the best ribeye is my favorite all right i'm, I'm glad we richard Remillard was the the trainer and uh i came back with a cardboard box of I love that. Uh, frozen so I, steaks so i guess you ate a lot a, of steaks you're not a vegan then No, not not after that experience. (laughs) There we go. I haven't changed.
0: There we go. That's good. I like that. That's very good. So, all right. um, Let me see if I can grab this here. Um, Do you think immigration is a, a federal issue, a state issue, or some other path? How do we handle the immigration problem that we have right now? And clearly there's an issue. We've been fighting and yelling about immigration for literally decades, right? How do we handle that?
1: Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier and trying to discourage people from wanting to leave their homes, which I don't mm-hmm. believe anybody really wants to do. You've got to be pretty desperate to leave your home. So if you do have health care, education, economic upward opportunity, uh, those are the things that people, when they don't feel they have those, uh, leave their home sure. with all their friends and relatives. Uh so whether it's the drug wars that are happening or helping with their economy in some way, mm-hmm. uh, that certainly is a uh, one way to discourage uh, people from migrating. Right. Uh, sometimes it's droughts and other things. Sure. But uh, I know the libertarian view is very, very open. On sure. Go wherever you want. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, and America was built on immigrants. And sure. We wouldn't be the great country we are without. Uh, a liberal so, so approach do, you, do you, to you think that immigration over state the state should be centuries? doing things like the
0: sanctuary states sanctuary cities things like that do you think it should be a, a federal rule on should we be building the wall what's what's what do you think is, is is a good route for
1: us to go I do believe what I said in that if we can uh, somehow help these countries uh, the, the, the people are taking enormous risks uh, to move. Uh, and they they naturally don't want to take those risks for the children, uh, and if somehow we can help them with their economies, and uh, we're all on this planet together, mm-hmm. uh, that's relevant to the immigration problem. I don't like uh, vilifying, and as governor, the first act, as uh, governor, the very first act, which I promised our Hispanic community was to repeal the pre- previous governor's uh, E-Verify Mm-hmm. Law, and they didn't believe me. They said, oh, every politician always says that to get our vote. Mm-hmm. And I did it. it was the, We had a big crowd come out, uh, and they were so happy and cheering, getting rid of that E-Verify uh, that the previous governor had put in. So I followed through on my word, and I, I, I don't like vilifying uh, people that have Correct. made risks, sometimes illegally, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and trying to make a living here.
0: Okay. Look, I want the everyone watching and everyone listening to realize that if you like what you uh if you like what you're watching, if you like what you hear, support us. Head over to Patreon.com slash sharpway. Give what you can. We uh this is not free, right? I give you cool stuff and I say funny things. And man, am I good looking? So you get to also look at how handsome man on top of it all. That's not free, guys. Come on. Head over to Sharpway right now, patreon.com slash sharpway and give what you can give. And you say, Larry, I don't want to just give just to get you, I want that cool shirt you have on. Well, guess what? You can get that too. Head over to SharpWay.com, click on a swag button. You can pick up that cool shirt or this cool mug. Yes, you can. You can pick up this cool mug, cool shirt, cool stuff. Help us out here. It's important. And if you want to be on the program, please, you need to be watching or listening to this on the Sharp Way YouTube page or the Sharp Way Facebook page. Put your questions in. And we will ask the governor what you would like to talk about. So,
1: all right, hardworking man, right here. There Support we go. The show.
0: working hard, absolutely. Do you, this is from Pierce. Do you have a a feeling either way on the fifteen dollar uh, minimum wage?
1: Yes, uh, I voted on uh, minimum wage raises when it's in the Senate, but I always felt that uh, uh, that every community is different. Obviously. Uh, in Seattle or New York or Boston or one of the big cities, a minimum wage is much different from Fargo, North Dakota, sure. or some town in Nebraska where yeah. it's just different. Yeah, and the, so the, the
0: average the average um, hourly rate, if I'm not mistaken, for someone who lives in New York City or works in New York City is about $30 an hour is the average. And outside of New York City, it's it's under 20
1: Yes, Yeah, so any kind of statewide or... Mm-hmm. Uh, or worse yet, federal federal sure addressing of the minimum wage. It just it isn't smart economics, in my view. It should be done in the community, uh, in which the economies are different, as right. we just agreed. Right. So you, thirty dollars you, an hour. Would you say thirty
0: dollars an that's, hour? That's no. That's not a minimum wage. That's an average. Average. Right. Wage the average in the, New York in, City is much higher than the yes, rest of the state. Yes. Yes. Much higher. New York State. The New York City. The average is about thirty dollars an hour when I mean, you average everybody's in. Right. And in upstate, it's under twenty.
1: Yes. So it they just don't. It, it doesn't make sense to have a all around fifteen dollar minimum wage. It's, the communities are all different. So is is it then okay? As you find here in New York
0: City, often uh, we have a a king, you know, who doesn't report and fights our emperor often. But our king here in New York City, he will often make royal decrees or pass laws and things like that. Is it okay for a city to have a minimum wage? Right, in New York City. If, if it was up to our our glorious deal leader here in New York City, De Blasio, he would probably make it forty bucks, fifty bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour. He'd do something like that. He'd say minimum wage, hundred bucks an hour. Yeah, if you're an intern, ninety-five bucks an hour. Everyone else, hundred bucks an hour. That's what he would probably do.
1: Well, when I was mayor, I wish I was uh, king sometimes, but I did have a city council. <laughs> I assume he does too.
0: Uh, he does, but they don't do anything. But it's yes, it's a rubber stamp.
1: Yes, that's correct. Yes. Well, but if, to answer your question, yes, if the community wants to pass it, and that the. the mm-hmm. uh, the legislative body, the council votes for it, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the king or mayor or whatever, <laughs> right county executive, whoever is in charge, uh, uh, the executive agrees with it. Then it becomes law.
0: What about the idea that if and we if do don't, this— And if people don't
1: like it, they get, don't win the next time around.
0: What, what about the idea that— Theoretically, anyway. Well, the, the, the issue that we have here in New York, and, and I'm assuming it will be other places also, is the idea of creating a minimum wage for people who are traditionally t- uh, tipped workers— Right? So you match right the amount that they're supposed to get, and you in theory erase tips. My concern about this piece is now I'm telling some worker and some business owner, here is, I'm telling you how you can pay your worker. Once I do that, haven't I gone to a slippery slope that says I can now say just about anything about your relationship between employer and employee, and don't I take away any freedom? And on top of that, don't I kind of almost make unions unnecessary, right? Don't I wind up in the long run attacking unions? Isn't it a union's job in theory to fight for that minimum wage or to fight for that worker's rights or whatever the case may be?
1: Yes, uh, all good questions. Uh, it, as The reality is that unions are uh, losing their membership. Yep. Uh, fewer and fewer entities are organized mm-hmm. uh, over the years. That the pendulum swinging back uh, against unions, uh, and uh, in some ways that's regrettable for the workers' uh, point of view. Uh, and uh, the minimum wage uh, with the tips. Uh, uh, the, the IRS is successful at learning how many, how much you make off a tip. So I suppose uh, if you're going to have a minimum wage, you could include the tips in there somehow.
0: Well, the the issue that you have is is a lot of those tips aren't reported. Right. Well, so, the
1: IRS finds out, don't they?
0: They do some guessing, right? And they're usually wrong, right? Yeah. My, my mom was a waitress for years, I mean decades, and she lived off tips. And I know many, many people who are servers, right? Um, they live off bartenders, servers, event, you insert, you know, some type of server. They often make a lot of money on tips. What I think happens when you make a minimum wage and get rid of tips is now the government's able to actually increase its tax revenue. Right. It's a a revenue boost is what it really is. Right. It isn't there to protect workers. They say it is. It's not. It's there to increase revenue. So now you're getting paid the same amount or maybe even less. But now you're being taxed on more of it. And therefore, more money comes to the state. It's it's actually a revenue grab more than anything else. But they pretend like they care about the workers. But if you look at the average server, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong here. But I don't know servers who are running around going, I sure wish I didn't have tips. I don't know any servers who've ever said that. In fact, they say the opposite. They say, I'm so glad I have tips. I couldn't pay my rent if I didn't have tips. Please keep tips. In fact, let's get more tips. Yes.
1: There's always generous people coming in and making your day. Absolutely. And
0: if you find most servers when it comes to holiday times, I mean, they make a killing. Yes. They make a Christmas time. People give $100 tips. The timing is good. Yes, absolutely, so that becomes my worry i have I have a big slippery slope issue here, yeah unintended right? consequences absolutely yes. yeah and and Happens I guess all uh,
1: the time the government acts and yes oops, oops, we made a
0: mistake well, I guess my my point here being is why isn't a governor or mayor or council person or assemblyman, whatever the case may be, why aren't they using their position more for the bully pulpit versus using it? to impose their will upon others, right? The best example of this, I think, is probably celebrities, right? Celebrities, there's some guy who's an actor, some gal who's an actor, some guy who's a singer, insert thing here, right? They're popular. So they go on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and a YouTube and they say, hey, I think this thing is important. And all of a sudden people go, yeah, this thing's important. And they start taking care of it on their own and they start getting things done they start raising money. Why isn't some mayor saying, assuming this is true, hey, our servers aren't getting enough tips or aren't getting enough money? Why don't you do something about it and talk about it? And before you know it, you'll you'll wind up making a change to our culture. An example I'll bring up is if you remember in New York City here several years ago when Mayor Bloomberg was our was our mayor, he tried to ban sixteen ounce and above sodas. You remember that? Sure do. Yeah, so he was like, I'm gonna ban these things because of the science. And the problem I had is people fought him on the science. I don't care about the science. I want to fight him on the ability that should he do this or not. The reality of it is his science was exactly correct. His science was demonstrably repeatable, 100% true. If you give people smaller drinks, they drink less. Period. Happens again and again and again.
1: The sugar drinks cause obesity and diabetes. And they cause obesity.
0: Yes. His science was on the money. But what happened was since he tried to force it, we fought back, and then it became a joke or a punchline. If he had simply talked about it, used the bully pulpit to talk about it, there would have been some uh, restaurants who would have said, you know what? We're the healthy restaurants. We love you. We're not going to give you any big drinks because we love you. And people would have gone there as, a, oh, these are the cool restaurant people. How do I know this? Already now, this is years later, what's the new move in all the, the soda companies? Smaller cans. It's already happening. What Bloomberg did is waste time. If he had just talked about it, we would have gotten here faster. We would have had more restaurants adopted. The soda companies have adopted it because the people wanted it. Culture would have changed. And now you find people saying, I don't want the big soda. That's happening now. People are choosing to not have the big soda. So you're actually having healthier people. This is why it drives me crazy. Why are they fighting it? They should talk about it.
1: Well, back to the original, what you were saying about how come some councilman or doesn't stand up and make an issue on some of these uh, initiatives. Yes. Uh, I think everyone's searching for how to address the, the, the plight of the, the former middle class that just yes. got hammered. Absolutely. And whether it's minimum wage or what we do to help. Uh, they're trying to find some way. And I, and my belief is they're all afraid to point to the the. the, the people that benefited most from the tax cuts that benefit the wealthy and the disparity of wealth. I guess Mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders does this quite a bit. absolutely. Uh, But what happened to this country with such a disparity? This is America. I agree. And how how do we change that? It's a problem. Uh, But don't forget the politicians all get the contributions from the wealthy. Absolutely. Uh, I need more of them, by the way. Remember, (laughs)
0: give me more than wealthy people. Yes, absolutely. So, But we'll still vote against your— uh, There we go. I'm still going to vote against you, but give me money anyway. So, yes. no. you mentioned earlier why you left the Republican Party. You mentioned why you then left being an independent. Missy asks, why did you leave the Democrat Party? What, was the, what were the reason why you left the Democrats?
1: I was so angry after the, uh, my experience running for president as a Democrat and Got how it. rigged it was for mm. Secretary Hillary Clinton. It was totally rigged, and uh, the DNC, which is supposed to be independent from the They're candidates that are running, was just hand in glove with the Clinton campaign. And even Donna Brazil in her book, talks about there was a written agreement <laughs> between the Clinton campaign Horrible. and the DNC. I mean, oh, you might say surprise, surprise, but it's not supposed to be that way. Correct, and yes. It's supposed to be a level playing field. This is America. And then, after she lost, did the impossible— in my view, did mm-hmm. the impossible and lost to Donald Trump, the whole system, including the media, spent three years or whatever it's been, two and a half years, thirty million dollars blaming the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> and it find me two people in Wisconsin that voted for Donald Trump because the Russians made them. It was a, it was just ridiculous, mm-hmm. and it just made me sick. To, I didn't want to be part of that party anymore. I got it. Good, uh, g- good answer. I like that. Okay,
0: um, you've. Here, um, since you've been through the major, uh, major, the major parties, right? I'd like to right? say fess
1: up and admit you made a mistake. You nominated a, a woman that didn't appeal to America. And yeah. It just fess up. Don't stop blaming everybody else for it. Say, we made a mistake. Well, it, it's she funny lost. you say that. I, I said that often, Maybe right? we would have been better off with Sanders or Chafee or O'Malley or Webb, the other four. Right. But no, it was the Russians. Don't insult our intelligence. And it was just a steady barrage of... CNN, New York Times, MSNBC, Washington Post, Russia, 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 every day on the front page.
0: Well, well uh, you know, I'm it's a business all corrupt. guy, right? And if I try to get my product out and people don't buy my product, I tend to not go, you know what? People are stupid. It was the Russians. I tend to say I probably didn't market it well. Right. Either my product's not right or my message isn't right or my audience isn't right. I've done my assumption is always I've done something wrong. Right. I mean, maybe the people are mad. I don't know. But my assumption, I've done something
1: wrong. Right. I didn't win the. Yeah, governorship. I, yeah, I didn't do very well in the presidential primaries. And I looked. it wasn't it was my fault. Yes. I'm not Blaming everybody. <laughs> yes. I didn't win the governorship last
0: year. Right. I, I need to raise more money. Yes. Right, if I'd have raised more money, I might have yeah. won a damn thing. Who knows? I've been able to, to get past these. I didn't just go, oh, all New Yorkers are dumb. No, no. I should have done something yes. better, stronger, faster. I probably yes. should have started running like three years earlier or something like that. Right, so yeah, I'm not gonna blame everybody else for this. I, I wish one people voted for me, obviously, but maybe I need to have a better, stronger message. Right, yes. I didn't have that. Build that wall like Trump had. That was brilliant, right? I didn't have that, right? MAGA, I didn't have the, MAGMA,
1: whatever it is. I didn't have
0: MAGA. I did have a MAGA <laughs> hat. Oh my God, I didn't have a MAGA hat, right? I wish I had a MAGA hat, whatever that was. I didn't have any of those things. If I would have had whatever the Larry Sharp equivalent MAGA hat was, maybe I would have won the damn thing. Who knows, right? I didn't have that. So I, I, I need to be able to do that kind of thing. I, I completely agree. But at least you're willing to fess up and man up. 100%. So, yes. I'm just not quitting.
1: That's oh, good.
0: I am a Marine. So when I get knocked down, I get back up it's how we. It's how we roll. That's right. We're, we're taught we have to fight until there's no ammunition left. I still got ammo, so I'm still fighting. <laughs> That's it. I said, I'm still fighting.
1: off tomorrow to Rochester, New York. I am. Here we are in, I'm, I'm, in I Manhattan actually, tomorrow morning. is on a plane. I am the out of here never tomorrow stops. morning. Uh, it's true. And He's then got ammo for those still of going.
0: you who are uh, who are paying attention, I will be uh, upstate New York four days, starting uh, Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, um, all around upstate New York in the Western New York area. I will also be in Rochester tomorrow speaking at SUNY Brockport and also at the uh, Dutch Mill on uh, a fundraiser. And I should be also on the radio WDXT, if not mistaken, also during uh, noon tomorrow. So yes, I'm not done. I'm still yapping, making things uh, happen. I'm not done yet, guys. You try to get rid of me. It's not working. It's not working. All right. Um, we told this before, but um, someone's asking, how would you or would you try to protect whistleblowers?
1: Well, yeah, we did talk about Snowden and uh, the ultimate whistleblower. Yep. Uh, the Fourth Amendment, a sacred a bill of rights. Sure. Uh, says that you need a warrant. Yes. To tap our phones or to intercept any electronic uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, communications right? and the government didn't have the warrant and it's right. not that hard to get the guy should be a hero yes and so but how do
0: you protect that guy a, in
1: three different areas right the first area you have to protect
0: him is literally legally right you have to make sure that you, you, the cops aren't coming after him right that some you know uh, aggressive prosecutor isn't saying I'm going to make my my bones on this guy right but second you've got to protect him in just society right that the, he's not the evil guy he doesn't get literally you know shot in the middle of the street somehow and last, the media, right? The media loves to make a villain out of people whenever it possibly can. If there's historians who being a villain, boy, they love to vilify. Do we have any way of protecting them? Do we not?
1: Well, but certainly one of the uh, Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, talks about freedom of the press, so you don't want to infringe on that in any way, of course. Right. Uh, but they've been guilty on this one, on the Snowden issue. Absolutely. And – uh I just think, as, as Eisenhower said, we need an alert citizenry. In his last address to uh, the country, when he, the famous Eisenhower address, he's, we need an alert, knowledgeable citizenry, and that's uh, alert and knowledgeable. Uh, that That's always good.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that. Again, I, I, I mentioned before I was uh, emceeing a, a blockchain convention for the uh, Government Blockchain Association last weekend. And one of the things one of the, the vendors there talked about, one of the speakers talked about, was the idea of we've created so much technology that in a way we've created a lazy citizenry, right? In that everything is being, everyone's viewing us, checking us out, surveying us. There's a 911 for everything. There's a cop for everything. There's a regulator for everything. There's an inspector for everything that I see someone on the floor, someone will take care of him, right? Isn't there a camera somewhere? Aren't the cops going to take care of him? Isn't there a regulator for that? that we've almost become a point where I'm just, the only thing I'm going to do is pull my phone out and put it on YouTube, right? Yeah, that yeah. I, I've, I've, We've yeah. created that kind of environment. But if we look, to your point, at what has made us successful when it has, it has been citizenry, right? In New York City, we have that, right? New York State is trying to create red flag laws. We already have done it, sadly, for firearms and everything else, right? Mandatory reporting is what red flag laws basically are. People are required to report each other. We're creating a secret state police. My argument is we don't need that. And New York City is a perfect example of that. New York City does not have red flag laws when it comes to terrorism. You are not required by law to report a terrorist. We say in New York City all the time, if you see something, say something. It's everywhere. It's in our subways. It's on our buses. It's on TV. It's everywhere. You see something, say something, right? Of course. Absolutely. What happens? We do it. If you look at the last guy we tried to bomb, um, uh, the Times Square bomber, he was reported on by a fellow New Yorker, by the way, a fellow Muslim, who actually had a, I, th- I think it was a hot dog cart or some kind of food truck, something like that. And he's like, there's a guy doing crazy stuff in his car. looks like it's bad stuff. Call the cops, boom, they get him. The alert citizenry is the answer. I, I agree 100%. How do we make that happen? Or how do we, we when we have technology... And when we have media and we have other forces trying to keep us asleep, trying to keep us not engaged, what can a politician, what can an activist, what can a political party, what can we do?
1: Yes, you said earlier, I think a lazy citizenry for all this technology because of all this technology. Uh, I don't know what we can do, but certainly I do think people are getting a little more uh, involved involved. Uh, they, they don't trust the government. I see in the paper today out in California, the mandatory vaccinations are creating oh, yes. a huge backlash just because there's not the trust right. of the government. It used to be you trusted the government. If you need a smallpox vaccination, you kind of trusted the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost that. Have tell every, the neocons telling America that there were definitely WMD <laughs> in Iraq <laughs> yes. has a lot to do with that. Sure. It was sure. a huge lie. We don't trust them anymore. Sure. Uh, and the disparity of wealth. These tax cuts are going to help you. Well, they didn't. They right. helped the wealthy. Uh, so there's a lot. So so
0: let's walk down that road. You brought it up. Let's bring lack up the lack trust, which
1: I, I think makes people a little more
0: alert. I, I would hope. Do you, what do you feel about the vaccines? What do you feel about the idea of mandatory vaccinations? It's happening in New York State. It's happening in California. Um, and I I I hear people who are really angry on both sides.
1: Well, I think it is the trust issue. Uh, if you don't trust them, then it, it, you can't make them mandatory. And it, I I think I have a polio or do I have a smallpox or whatever I had? It, it, nobody argued. It was 100% participation, maybe 99.9. 9, right. Uh, but that's different. That's changed now. Uh, we just but, don't trust what our What about government. the
0: idea of government saying to you, um, your kids, not – here's a cool vaccine for you to take because it works and you should trust me. That's option one. But there's a going option two. Here's a vaccine and you're taking it, period. We are going to inject this in your child's body because it's going to help protect others. How about that? Well, That's we what talked, California's saying.
1: Yeah, we talked earlier on, I think on the sugar and, and Bloomberg on the science. Mm-hmm. He went talked about the science of whatever he wanted to do. Yep. Uh, and this, again, I suppose is whatever these vaccinations are for. Uh, it's all on science. The science tells let's us. Let's say it's true. But uh, let, let's walk down that road because
0: I'm not anti-vax myself. I, my kids are vaccinated. So I'm not anti-vax. With how
1: many? What, what, what's out there these
0: days? There's a lot of vaccinations. Oh, my God. There's a huge list of all that. I mean, yeah, that's... My, my wife was actually concerned because we had so much. There, there's a rule you can spread the vaccinations out and my wife actually spread the vaccines out to the absolute maximum. So my daughter's yeah. only got minimum, How minimum, minimum, minimum. I, I think it's not when they little.
1: How old are your children?
0: Uh, now my oldest daughter is 15. My youngest is nine.
1: Okay. Mine are in the 20s. So I'm maybe I don't remember all these vaccines. Oh, yeah. No, no. There was, and it was also different back then. There's been more and more of them. Yeah. yeah.
0: So my question is, The whole is, let's autism
1: say, thing came into it, correct? With mercury yes, correct. and all that?
0: And- but, but let's say for the sake of argument that it's true. The vaccinations work, they're magic, they're perfect, they're awesome. Science says it's true. Does that mean it's okay then for the government to say you must take them? I think I'm talking philosophical.
1: Yes. Right? If you so have the, the premise argument, that everything is true, are they contagious? And that if you don't take them, you possibly could infect other people? That That, that is relevant to my own personal space, so to speak. Sure.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, there is such thing as herd immunity. There's an issue with that, obviously, right? There's a concern about that, right? And that if, if, I, if I don't take it and I'm around someone who has a weakened immune system, maybe someone who was elderly and ill or someone who was a, a baby just growing, that if I'm next to them, I may infect them and they, they may catch it, which is why I'm sure you know many years ago there was kind of an unwritten rule that you didn't pull your, your kid out of the house for the first three months of their life. Right, that was kind of an unwritten rule that the, people only really follow that now. But it was almost like a, a, what they call an old wives' tale, yeah. right? You can't take your baby out of the house for, for the get first nine days. And the idea yeah. was they'd get out, catch germs from someone, and they would die, yeah. right? So you'd yeah. keep the baby in the house for for ninety days. Now I'm, I'm I don't know how sciencey that is. I know that's that's what people have been doing, but it's based on a real fear that if my child is that young, that they may catch something
1: and die. So well, does the California thing is a phenomenon? I mean, boom. The people, big crowds, right? Yes. Yeah. My, My
0: worry with this is the second that I say, yes, it is okay if the science is correct. If I say this, right, that the government can force vaccinations. This is a huge slippery slope for me. For me, I'm saying once that happens, I've just said the government can dictate what I inject into my kid, What happens when it's not what I want or it's wrong or they did the wrong job or whatever, right? What happens when they decide that, well, you know what? There's too many people on the planet, so I'm going to inject, you know, I'm going to inject some uh, chemical castration into your boys. Insert thing here. I'm going to chemically sterilize your girls. Insert thing here, right? For the good of the country. Now, you might say that sounds crazy, but we're starting it and China was doing it. So countries have already done it. And once you make that step, I feel it's just too far. And again, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not. I vaccinated my kids. My worry isn't on whether the science is correct or not. My worry is, do I want some entity having the right to inject anything into my children's bodies? I have a problem with that, just fundamentally. That's my concern. That's my slippery slope worry. I don't don't want that. Wow, that's scary. Yes, that's my concern. Yeah. So while I am personally not anti-vax, and I hope people vaccinate their kids, I hope they do. I I can't say I'm okay with government deciding when and how what goes in our bodies. I'm just, and not just that. Who am I to tell any other parent what has to go in that kid's body? It's, it's not my place. I hope, and this is my serious hope, that I can show them the right way that they will believe that I'm correct and they will choose to do what I ask them to do. But I can't force them. That's my that's my worry. And, and here's the reality. If you get rid of the government monopoly, this is my biggest problem. There's a government monopoly right now on this. What if you didn't do that? Imagine for a second you said, hey, no government monopoly on vaccines. But if individual companies want to create vaccines, they may. What would happen? There are a lot of moms out there who are worried about, you know, um, um, Uh, ingredient one or ingredient two or ingredient three, there would be a company that would go, no worries, we'll take those ingredients out. You don't like those? We'll give you just these. There would absolutely be people who would, how do I know this? Health food industry. Look at the supplements, right? People who are afraid of FDA products. There are other companies that create products for them that don't have the certain things Gluten-free, right? Veganism, uh, keto diet, insert thing here. There's always a company that says, oh, you don't like that? I got something for you. I got a wheat-free this. I got a fat-free that. I got a gluten-free this. All good. So if you actually gave people the opportunity to just say, hey, go do it, and use the bully pulpit and convince moms and dads, hey, vaccines are good. Look at all the options you have. You'd probably have more people take vaccines. Because they would actually listen to the moms and dads. They would remove the things the moms and dads don't want. right? And the, and you would pay for it because you'd see value in it. I think the government monopoly is the biggest problem. You remove that, you solve the vaccination problem, period. And the trust in the government. Yes, because it's in the government now. Now yes. you trust a brand. right? It's a brand that you trust now, right? And you see it. You'll find people who I know, because I used to be in the health food industry years ago. 20 years ago I was. And there were people who wouldn't buy anything in Walmart. And not because they hated Walmart, they assumed this is their their assumption. And to be clear, I'm not bashing Walmart. I have no idea if this is true or not. I don't know. I'm telling you how they felt. They believe that if it's Walmart, it's corporatism, it's it's bad, cheap stuff that's going to kill you. They believe that 100% and they would never buy anything that would go in their kids' bodies from Walmart. They would go and pay more money at a, at a local health food store Same or product. health store for whatever products yeah. because they believed that these were the right products. And who am I to decide they're right or wrong? It's not me to decide. And maybe they're right and maybe they're wrong. So what? It's their bodies. And I don't see a bunch of deaths coming out of health food stores. No. I don't see it. There's, mo- there's more deaths coming out of FDA products than there are anything else. So I don't know. So that that's my concern. So let me, let, me, uh, let me grab one more. Um, okay. Uh, someone's telling me that we're dropping truth bombs. That's good. All right. Um, John Sullivan asks from Facebook, how do you decide whom to trust? How does someone earn your trust?
1: I like to say consistency. If you're consistent with your behavior, your values, your ethics, uh, you earn the trust. And it is earned. And when I, I mentioned working on the horse racetrack and working mm-hmm. with horses, uh, having to put shoes on them, uh, they'll trust you if you, you you do your job the same way every time. They'll come into the shop to get their shoes and uh, try and make it a good experience. Uh, uh, so consistency is important. It does
0: does consistency hurt you if people think you're now unbendable? Right? Is there is is there too far in being consistent? Is there too much in being consistent or no?
1: Oh, there's probably something to say for stubbornness sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, you also want to be intellectual and uh, absorb new information, and, and that, that's always part of growth, and uh, and being consistent in that is a good thing. Sure. I'm willing to not be inflexible. Sure. And if I find something different from what I previous thought because of new information, I'm not too stubborn to... That change
0: will bring up and. the flexibility piece. You know, you've been part of all different parties, right? Two major parties. John from Facebook asks, is there one party that you think you would feel more comfortable going into a coalition with? Right. Do you think there's being part of liberty movement? The movement isn't as large as I wish it was. So we may sometimes have to go into coalitions, right? Maybe one day we'll be the majority and we won't have to. But we kind of do now to get things done, right? Do you feel that either party is easier or better to go in a coalition with?
1: Well, to be honest, uh, I have a dream of all the third parties getting together. Okay. Whether you call them third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yes. But I guess the two biggest uh, non-traditional parties, the Greens and Libertarians. Yep, absolutely. I had Howie
0: Hawkins on here a couple weeks ago. Yes, he's a Green uh, Party president candidate. Yep.
1: Yep. That would be something good, to give the people a really different choice, that the system's broken, the disparity of wealth is real. uh, We're not addressing the needs of the deficit and Mm -hmm. uh, the wars overseas, uh, a a coalition of uh, the different parties coming together and what we can agree on and just offering an alternative.
0: But there are three, I guess, the three major parties nationally right now. There's uh, the Libertarian Party is the third largest, clearly. After that's green, after I think it's Constitution part, if not mistaken, I think those it are falls the
1: three. off after Libertarian and Green. So wouldn't it you does. say? But I, I so think those are the two. If they those could, are the two biggest, no yes, question. If they could come to yes. some kind of a, as we said, uh, uh, understanding of uh, where we mutually agree, and let's uh, uh, and uh, let's focus on those for this next election. That might be a good coalition. Well, it's funny
0: that you said that. You know, uh, Howie Hawkins uh, considers himself a socialist. And at the same time, he's really pro-Second Amendment. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, I always assume that someone on the left is going to be anti-2A, but he is not. He was like, no, good socialists always notice citizenry has to be armed. I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. Well, there you some, go. Get can, some Howie.
1: We can find some areas of agreement.
0: <laughs> so, okay. I got a Good. I appreciate that. Um, if I could, uh, uh, hold on. Uh, John asks about uh, your soda tax in Rhode Island. How do you feel about that?
1: I I wasn't involved in that as my in my time as governor. You weren't. Uh, I was not. Uh, I I didn't propose it. It didn't go through our legislature. Yeah, I know it
0: didn't go through, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, 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 so I I don't have too much experience with Do it. Do you have any opinion on it? Uh, i uh, we all pay for obesity and diabetes. We all pay for it, uh, and it may be smaller sizes. We talked about that earlier. Right. But. Uh, if there's a way, to, I mean, the sugar lobby is so powerful. It is, uh, and, and, and so is the corn lobby. I mean,
0: most of this stuff isn't actually sugar. Most of it is uh, corn syrup, and we actually pay the farmers to,
1: yeah, to, right. to
0: grow the corn, yeah. and then we and buy the sugar it from too. Them. Yes, it's sugar subsidies. Unhealthy. Yes, most of don't know this. Yes, most of don't know this. But if you buy popcorn in a the theater, the bag costs more than a popcorn in a the theater. That's how cheap the corn is. Yes, the the popcorn actually costs less than the bag the corn's in. It's mostly air. Yes, exactly. It's just it's, it's insane how 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 and that is. And salt and butter. Yes, it, and they're both very cheap. <laughs> the 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 ink on the bag probably costs more than the the corn and the salt that's in your popcorn. It's it's terrible. I hope I answered the question. So yeah, I appreciate that. So let's go then to the next step. What do you think about? healthcare you talk about that we all we all pay and when it comes to the democratic i'm talking democrats more because they're in the debates now so they're more in the news right the republicans will start their primary in i think february or is it january february they might be in the news again when they start running but right now debates are yes. all democrats and one of the biggest issues hands down is healthcare everyone's like medicaid for all or medicare for those who choose so or I call it VA for all, but whatever you want to call it, right? It's it's some type of, hey, the government option or government plan. Do you have a, a view on, on health care at all?
1: Yes. I said I lived in Canada for seven years uh, shoeing on the racetracks up there, and they have uh, a subsidized system, uh, and it works in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't like sometimes in America where families are taking the children to the emergency room. Yeah. For six-hour waits and the chaos that's going on in emergency room and priorities that change it by by the minute, depending well, on who's many coming times in, they, they go just, to that. That shouldn't be America.
0: Yeah, but they 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 often go to an emergency room because that's the way they can get the best doctors. Right, yeah, you will find long, many people do wait. that because of that. It's a yeah, long, but it's their kid, and they would rather have a good doctor with their kid and wait than get another doctor that they don't like. Because that's the doctor that your insurance takes.
1: Yes, but sometimes in the emergency room, you'll see one doctor, and then they're called away, and his shift or yes. her shift ends, and then not someone comes out and has to start all over again. Absolutely. Uh, so I just don't think that's the right way uh, to have primary health Do you health think
0: care. single payer or Medicare for all is I the right don't answer? Like,
1: I like my car insurance. I like my home insurer, uh, but I don't like my health insurer. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so if we could get rid of the insurance companies... And I guess that's Medicare for all. Mm-hmm, sure, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, that, that, I would support that.
0: My worry with a Medicare for all piece is that I worry about a two-tiered system, right? We talked about the idea of uh, 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 you know poor and rich, and that rich and that gap growing. My worry is that grows there too. And the reason why I said it again, I live in New York City. And I see in New York City already, you look at some of the best doctors in New York City, most of them don't take insurance. They've moved to a world to they where there's...
1: Second? They hate the insurers.
0: Yes. So what happens is the wealthy people, they pay flat fees, right? Or join groups, whatever the case may be, and pay monthly fees. And they, and they get the best doctors. And then everyone who's poor gets stuck with whatever doctor is stuck in their world. Not just that, the care is worse, right? If you go to a doctor who takes insurance... You know, your your appointment's at 2 o'clock, you get seen at 345. Um, There's a bunch of people who care more about photocopying your information than they care about anything else. They treat you terribly, you get seen for five minutes, and when you get in, it always ends in either a procedure or a prescription, because that's how a doctor gets paid. But when you go to a private doctor who doesn't take insurance, your appointment's at 2, you get seen at 205, maybe, if that. The doctor talks to you. He says things like, hey, how are you eating? How are you sleeping? What's your stress level? He talks to you. And it doesn't always end. When she's talking to you, she doesn't just go, I need to give you a procedure or prescription because that's how she gets paid. She doesn't care because you paid her. You swiped your credit card. You gave her a check. You are the customer. My worry about going to a Medicaid for all situation is the customer becomes the government. And the doctors will only care about keeping the government happy, and they won't care about keeping you happy because you have no choice. My worry is always becomes monopoly is bad, government monopoly, no better.
1: Well, oh, has it been a
0: failure for over sixty five? Um, it's a good question, and I think you have to look at how they feel.
1: I, I don't, think, in general, they love Medicare.
0: I think most do. I think most like Medicare. It's
1: not perfect, but it, yeah.
0: It's pretty solid.
1: I think most do. I and agree. I Canada, think most whatever they have, well, they also have to work. And you talked about the tiers, and the rich people are always going to find a way. to This is also a valid point. I agree. Uh, the rich people do find it. And in Europe, when they have the socialized medicine, they tend to have get that. good health care. I'm not like sure it's true in goal. America, though.
0: And here's the reason why. When you saw in the debates, uh, Elizabeth Warren, as an example, we talk about this all the time. She used the phrase health care and health care insurance interchangeably. Schilder said, we'll be covered by health care. Health care and health care insurance are two separate things. Obamacare was not health care reform. It was health care insurance reform. Our healthcare system is still totally broken.
1: I don't even think that the ultra-rich want to go to just pay cash for something cataclysmic where if you have a hundred thousand dollar no multi- but they will they will often have a month of they'll of, have
0: catastrophic insurance yes
1: yeah, right? so they it is insurance of some kind
0: yes they will usually have that but but as a general you're finding things where the rich literally leave and they go on medical vacations they go to Thailand and it used to be back in the day you go back 20 years ago the wealthy would go to Thailand to get like a, an eye lift or a facelift or a cosmetic dentistry or something like that right they do something like that now they're getting like kidney transplants. I mean, they're getting like, you know, cancer treatments. It's medical tourism. I have heard of that. Exactly right. Yes. It's medical tourism, right? So they go away and they get it. Why? There's two reasons why that happens. One, because our current uh, medical system, healthcare system in, in, in the United States is horrible. And second, our immigration policies are horrible. So we actually have, you know, doctors who are trained here in America, highly trained doctors in America, and then they can't stay because immigration policies and they go back to their countries. And it's American-trained doctor. And they're like, well, I can't be in America, so I'll go back to Thailand or Vietnam or India or insert thing here where they can work for a cheaper price. And now some rich Americans or Europeans go over there, and they pay a cheap price, and they literally stay in a hotel while they're getting their treatment. Whatever that treatment is, it's literally a hotel. Yes. It's yes. insane how that some works. Some
1: people come here for it.
0: Some people do, yes. yes. So they'll, they'll, And they'll, those people also are, are paying uh, they're out, out of pocket. Yes. Right, they're paying out of pocket, of course. So the paying out of pocket thing I think happens either way. My worry is in many of those countries, they don't have the one problem that we had, which is after World War II, because of government controls, we tied all insurance to companies because we didn't, we didn't want we we to have rage controls. That legacy has hurt us more than it's hurt other countries. They actually have better healthcare systems. We have a cartel system. That's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, where large hospital groups own everything. And now you have doctor groups who own multiple doctor offices, right? Why? Because the bureaucracy is so expensive, they have to centralize bureaucracy, and that's the only way doctors can survive. Not just that. Try to find, in America, American doctors who tell their kids to be doctors. Can't find them anymore.
1: That's because of the insurance companies.
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: Yes, it's a they bad system. They can't stand system. it anymore.
0: Yes, literally, you have American doctors telling their kids, "Don't be a doctor." That's That insurance never happened companies before. will drive
1: you crazy. Yes, this week it's one thing, next week it's another. Absolutely, and true. I have to advise my patients why they're why it's a change. And sometimes those patients are elderly, uh, absolutely. and they don't understand why have I prescription changed? Well, the insurance company. Yes. So I have another question, which is a little bit off. Can
0: I go off again? Is said, "Okay." Yes, you can. Awesome. Okay. I wanna but before I go on that guys, if you like what I'm he- what you're hearing, if you like it, please support us. I need you to support us. Head over to patreon.com slash sharpway. Give what you can give. It's important. Go to monthly. You know what? If you want a cool mug, you can get one of these cool mugs just by supporting me monthly. Not just that, you can get this cool shirt. Yes, you can. Just by supporting me monthly. It's that easy. If you do it, go on to Patreon, do that. You'll get a cool shirt in the mail. Not too shabby. Not just that. You want me to come out. To one of your events, you can do that too. You can have the one and only Larry Sharp come out to your event. Just support me monthly and you make that happen. Well, Larry, I don't want to support you. You don't have to. Buy my shirt anyway. Go to sharpway.com, buy a cool shirt. Tell people you support me. It's okay. You don't even have to. Just lie. You look cool because you have my cool shirt on. Because remember, I am a very handsome man. So do that if you could. All right. I want to shift a little bit if I could. I want to move over to something that a lot of libertarians are passionate about. Passionate about. I'm going to go back also to what I did last, last weekend. As I said, I was at an event. It was a, a government blockchain association event. And there we had a person who spoke from the World Bank. Gentleman spoke about the World Bank. He started talking about how he didn't like Bitcoin. And one of the reasons why he didn't like Bitcoin is he said that many of these cryptocurrencies, to include Bitcoin, are basically money built on nothing. Right? They make money from nothing and people of course for and said no it costs us money to mine for the bitcoin right it costs electricity technology it costs us time and energy to create the bitcoin when in reality the world bank and all the federal banks and all the and, and all the federal reserves and, and all the, uh, the 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 state banks they actually make money from nothing when they loan money out they actually make money from nothing so i'll ask you do you have an opinion on the federal reserve
1: I'm uh, not an expert, I will say mm-hmm. that. Of all the issues I've dealt with as a mayor and a senator and a, as a councilman before mayor, a governor, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't have a overriding passion mm-hmm. on the World Bank. It, it How about just an, our
0: Federal Reserve? Uh, right now, the only person I've heard who's running talk about this, I think, was Tulsi Gabbard again. I'm sounding like a Tulsi Gabbard fan. Um, she's the best Democrat they have, though. I'll give you that. Best Democrat they have. Um, Tosi talked about the idea of auditing the Fed, right? Back in the day, the big deal uh, with the Ron Paul Republicans was end the Fed. Do you have a feeling either way in auditing? Or In, the, in fact, I think Trump actually talked about at one point auditing the Fed also. I think he
1: did. Do you have a feeling either way? My only experience was when Alan Greenspan was chair of the Fed, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was a senator, and I did not like he appeared before the various committees. And mm-hmm. I just didn't like the way uh, the Fed steered us into the Great Recession uh, and the deficits, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tax cuts at the same time, the spending wasn't being cut. we were right. having the tax cuts that favored the wealthy. The rich got richer, and uh, the spending still went up with a $6 $6 trillion unnecessary war in Iraq. Of course, Katrina happened. All these costs, uh, adding a prescription drug benefit without paying for it to to Medicare, so Bush and Cheney could get reelected. That was the only reason they did it, to get the elderly vote. Uh, And the Fed just never really steered us away from this deficit spending, uh, and that led to the great crash, in my view, Mm -hmm. of 08. And so that's my experience with the Fed. Got us. So you're and, not a fan. And in particular, Larry, uh, uh, Alan Greenspan and his performance.
0: Okay. So is there...
1: His poor performance.
0: Is there a way that we begin... This is a question from from Phil from Facebook. Is there a way that we begin this freedom or liberty beachhead, right? You, we've been talking often tonight about how it's bad and how the country's been lost and how we've got this gap between the rich and the poor, Right. So we've got to start somewhere. Where's the
1: start? I think it's on trust. Let's bring Snowden home and say we're, 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 we're going to adhere to the Fourth Amendment. Hey, by the way, let's adhere to the Geneva Conventions. No more torturing of prisoners. Hey, let's join the rest of the civilized world, most of which does not have capital punishment. Mm-hmm. These are all good libertarian points of view. Oh, sure. by the way, why don't we vote libertarian? I like that one. Okay, you got me on that one. I no like deficits, that. No deficits. No wars. Those two go together, by the way, because sure. wars are expensive. Yep. We can address the deficit. Uh, let's ha- start with civilized behavior. Other countries will admire us, respect us, and trust us again mm-hmm. the way they used to before we lied to the world about I agree with you on everything this, you this, just and said. And Snowden, come home. You're a hero. I got we it. We want people to talk about truth. And by the way, let's take away that presidential medical freedom from George Tenet.
0: <laughs> I'd love to see that happen.
1: Um but I gotta
0: ask you, this is for the average person, right? What what's our is is our first step? And I guess this is a big issue in the party itself, right? The party's always talking about the idea of what matters is local, right? You gotta win local. And then you have someone else who goes, No, you gotta try to win at the presidential level. No, you gotta win federal. No, you gotta win here, you gotta win there, right? There's always an idea on what we should do. There's also an issue that we have in the party which says we should be on every ballot. We should have a thousand candidates. We should try to win every single race. Another side that says, no, I want a couple of specific targeted pieces. Do you have a view either way on what is that first step for the party and the movement to start to make that, that impact, to have that beachhead, to break that hole?
1: I don't have a magic wand, Mm -hmm. and uh, I used to be a Republican in Rhode Island, which is the most heavily Democratic state, arguably, in the country. Mm -hmm. And as Republicans, we'd have that same argument. Right. Do we get—we had six state reps out of 75. Should we try and grow that to 12? Right. Or we have four state senators out of 38. Should we grow that to 10, or should we go for governor and go for lieutenant governor and general treasurer and some of the bigger offices? Uh, So we've had that debate. Uh, Did you find an answer On a smaller party, which the Libertarians are. Excuse me? Did you find an answer that you felt that worked? Uh, we you were more work? successful uh, at the bigger offices. Oh, is
0: that right? Yes. Wow, okay. Yeah, we never gained in the General Assembly. There and, we go. And, so see that, Libertarians? The answer is President of the United States. Done. I'm kidding. <laughs> so yes. So bigger offices. I happen to like that because I'm running for governor, right? So I ran for governor. I'm, I'm happy. Yes, I like put the your resources
1: ones. there. And then the... Uh, Trickle-down is not a good word, but uh, phrase, not a good phrase, but uh, c- bad connotations. But if you could have a personality that uh, I do think it will uh, have uh, well, it's funny uh, contagious effects, if not trickle-down effects, to the lower offices. The,
0: you will find me often saying two things that goes right contagious. along with that. The first one is the vast majority of people who come to our movement, there are some exceptions, but the vast majority come because they heard somebody say something that made sense to them. Right, They heard some guy or some gal talking, and that person, they go, oh, that makes sense. Huh. Let me do some homework about what this movement is or who these people are or what it is, that kind of thing, right? For me, that was 2012 Gary Johnson. But many people, it was Ron Paul. Back in the day, it was probably Ayn, Ayn Rand. I mean, it was uh, all sorts of people who you know, had Harry Brown. Lots of people were able to kind of hear somebody and go, let me check this movement out. So I think you're right. Personality matters, the problem that we have in the party, I think, and the movement as in general is people tend to run, think I'm going to give people an option. They fail and they go away. They aren't doing the trickle down, as you say. I'm hoping that I'm the guy who's trying to do some of that trickle down. As I said, this weekend, I'm heading upstate to raise money for others, right? I'm trying to stay active and helping others. I'm trying to move issues forward. Today, I was talking about the, the vaping issue here in New York State. I'm trying to keep pushing forward because I think our party has done a pretty bad job of that in the past 40 years. So I think that's why somebody was asking you, if you're going to come aboard to our movement, right, how are you going to be some one of those guys who's going to help us grow where very, very often people come in and go, I love you guys, and then they leave. It's common. They come and then they leave. They either actually leave the party and go back to the old party or they just kind of go away and we never see them again. That's a common problem. So I think now people are looking at you, going, "Wait a minute, he's here now. Is he going to stay? Is this guy going to show up for a couple of years and bail on us?"
1: Well, I've done the others, and I'm not going back. <laughs> oh, there I we know go. that okay. much.
0: All right. So I'll, I'm happy you, here. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm to happy to be
1: invited on your show. Of course, absolutely.
0: I'm, I'm happy to hear that. That's good. All right. Let me see if I can grab someone's asking this one of me. Will I like get anywhere for president in the future, like 2024, or 2028? All I can say is maybe. I have no idea. I'm not running for president in 2020. Guys, thank you so much for that. Not going to happen. I been mean, asked a thousand times. Not going to happen. No, not going to happen. Would I consider in the future? Maybe. I don't know. That's it, that's totally wide open. Might be Governor Sharp by then. Could I could be a governor by then. So why would I want to do that? Exactly right. Who knows? I could be governor of New York. You never know. So um, I think I've grabbed most of these questions. Um, one other one I want to ask if I could. Um are you planning on coming to the l p national Convention in Austin next year in may is that are you planning
1: I'd like to be there and awesome learn more i am just uh as i said meeting more people in the party and uh been invited on your show here today and mm-hmm. enjoying it and uh so whatever invitation is expe- extended and uh I, I like being involved
0: yeah yeah the funny thing about about the the convention in in May is, you know, it 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 can be very May so we'll or li- July. It's in May. Okay, yes, in, in Austin. May. Yes, it'll be in Austin, okay. Texas. Excuse me, Excuse in me. May. Yeah, okay, Austin, Texas, in May. Yeah, is that um, you'll see a, you'll see the delegate class of Libertarian Party, right? Which is the group of people who can afford to leave and go to Austin for a couple of days. It's a different group of Libertarians, right? Yeah. You will find that delegate class. And they aren't always the same as the activists that you'll find within the actual states. It's a different different type of of, of person, and you'll also find that when you get there, um, there's some fighting there, right? Because we don't we don't have someone who's a guarantee when they walk in the door. There was battle last time. There's there's battles often, right? So I I think you you may be surprised on who you see, Um, but you'll see all the factions there for sure.
1: Yeah, well, I've Th- been to all sure. the Republicans and Democratic conventions as when I was in those parties.
0: Sure. This will probably be smaller and probably not uh, not covered, sadly, on TV as I wish it would be, except C-SPAN, I think, covers us. Oh, good. I think C-SPAN does. I don't think the major ones do. Eventually, they will. Eventually, will, they will. We will make it happen. So Daniel has that because Daniel wants you to come, I'm I'm sure. So, um, all right. Um, James asks, what would you do about the social security situation now? There are a lot of millennials right now, particularly millennials, who think that when they retire, there's Social Security. They believe it's done. There's no chance. They're worried and concerned. Do you have a view on that? What would you do?
1: Yeah, that's real. Uh, People like millennials I know absolutely feel that way. And uh, it's a valuable safety net uh, against the cataclysm that was the Depression and Mm -hmm. uh, just to survive – to have a little income, something to survive on. And it has a lot to do with uh, people living longer. Sure. One out of seven live to 90. Tomorrow is my mother's 93rd birthday. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. It's Uh, amazing. And people just living longer when we originally uh, put in Social Security back in the 30s. Mm -hmm. And the age has ticked up a little bit, uh, but... Uh, address that somehow. Means testing is another way of Mm -hmm. uh, saving it for the millennials, making sure some kind of safety net is there. Uh, So the cataclysm does hit
0: again. Are you a fan of raising the retirement age? I mean, some people talk about raising 67, 70. I've I've heard many people talking about that. Is that something you're a fan of?
1: Well, the, the difficulty is in some professions, hardworking outdoor professions, the same longevity uh, doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. And to someone that's working in an office, in an air-conditioned office in the heat, as opposed to someone that's outside in some field somewhere, uh, it, that's just not fair. Uh, so it, it somehow has to be worked out for different professions uh, as, okay. you, as you look at raising the age. So now There's we, also how you... Please. When I was in the Senate, we looked at this and uh, how you index for inflation was a way to help save it Mm -hmm. and there was an economist his last name was posen that's i remember that it was called the posen plan Mm -hmm. and how you index for inflation was the answer that back then uh with the posen plan there was a Uh, there was a radical so there are little tweaks that you could do without uh massive changes to keep it solvent
0: i remember someone talking about this years ago i have no idea if it if it had any legs at all it was the idea of actually limiting how long someone gets it so that you only get social security for X number of years. And this comes from, believe it or not, it comes from an ancient Roman idea. I, I'm probably not like just wrong, but it's I'm, it's something like this, right? There was some rule, if you were a Roman centurion or a Roman a soldier, after I think it was 15 or 20 years, whatever that number was, that you did it, your time in the Roman army, the government gave you a 17-year pension. That's it. You got 17 years. That's all you got. If you died before it, then your family got it for the next 17 years. If you didn't die... You better be prepared because after the year 17, no more money's coming. Is that an idea? Now, again, I don't know if that had legs or not. I know someone talked about it once. Is that an idea? Certainly. So you get 20 years of it. Pick when you want to start. Yes.
1: <laughs> that's it? I know now you can, if you decide to opt into Social Security at an earlier age, mm-hmm. your monthly payment is less than if you wait. So that's already in some kind of place. If you wait mm, till okay. you're age 70... Your monthly payment's going to be higher than if you take it. Uh, it's. I think you can even get it at sixty three or some lower age. Okay.
0: So, do you have an? You have an opinion since we're talking about these ideas of being fair. Do you have an opinion on either a, a fair tax or a flat tax? Either way, do you have an opinion on either one of them? Either way.
1: uh, uh I. I believe in. Uh, Cutting spending and then cutting taxes. I agree with you completely and on we've that do, one. We've done oh, that, yes. the opposite in my <laughs> yes. time. The hard work is cutting spending. Absolutely, yes. certainly addressing some of these unnecessary wars around the globe are hugely expensive. Sure. Uh, and we've, we've just been brainwashed into this pro-military uh, t- rit- t- mindset, so it's immensely popular to Democrats and Republicans, increase the defense and budget, increase the defense and budget, defense budget. uh, And both parties are guilty of that. uh, And and that money could be used much better for cutting taxes. Then we wouldn't have to talk about flat taxes and all these other things. Just cut our spending. Cut spending more about that taxing later. Yes. And that that will follow if if you're a good management of uh, the government. Which I was, I believe, as mayor and governor.
0: I, I love that. When I ran for governor, I spoke about that often. People would say, Larry, you never talked about you know lowering taxes. And I said, yeah, I'm not about lowering taxes. If I, if I just lower taxes, one of two things happens. Someone else pays that tax. I've shifted a tax burden, right? Or I've increased debt. Both are bad. I've got to worry about creating surpluses. I've got to worry about cutting spending. I've got to be able to push surpluses down to my counties so the counties can be able to cut taxes where they think the problem is. So I was about making surpluses, producing spending, and if anything, eliminating taxes completely on a certain level, right? Getting rid of a school tax, totally, or getting rid of an income tax, completely, right? Not just lowering it so that, okay, it feels good now, but someone else pays the price. I agree with you completely.
1: So, um, And if also I could, I'd add that uh, go ahead. So people say, well, where would you cut? Where would you cut? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's in better management. That's what I found as mayor, as governor. If you just manage it better. Give me an example of that. Uh, do we need to hire someone new in that department? We just mm. had a retirement. Automatically, of course, the unions want to fill that spot. And head count. That, that's their, yeah. Or head counts because it makes them look good. Absolutely. And if you just take your magnifying glass and your green visor and put on your accountant's uh, way of looking at it, do we need that person? One by one mm-hmm. makes a difference. Right. It starts to add up. And we're just, in high, people that, are what's most expensive, I mean, the, with the salaries and benefits. And, oh, 100%. I mean, you can buy all the snow plows you want, but it's, it's people. And if you start managing those people, and part of it has to do with morale. Yes. If they have good equipment, they're going to be happier, and there will be less absenteeism and uh, less injuries on the job. And if you just manage uh, the, the departments better. You, what about the, the idea big, of, big savings results. That's my experience as mayor. But when uh, you start cutting, uh, don't you member, have
0: people saying- you know, these are bad guys, cutting jobs, right? These are these people have families. No, How they retired. He do
1: that? It's attrition. Oh, it's attrition. Yes. Okay, so it's simply not hiring. Yes, yes. Different way of doing things. Yes. Okay. No, I don't like layoffs. I got gotcha. you. people have families.
0: Gotcha. Okay, good. Um, John asks a question. Um, USA ranks first in incarceration and 18th in high school graduation. What can you do to change... Reverse these numbers.
1: We talked about it. The drug laws. How many people are incarcerated because of some phony drug law? It's, they're not hurting anyone. They're smoking some crack. I mean, is it good or bad? But they're not hurting anybody, and they're buying it from some illegal dealer. Uh, we have to better have a different look at that. And it has an effect on incarceration, which has an effect on our, the money we pay, mm-hmm. and it has an effect on our taxes. So this whole libertarian approach to the war on drugs— uh, has so many ramifications to s- societal and who gets incarcerated. We know mm-hmm. who they are, the poor people, and how how we can better uh, use those dollars uh, well, to make funny. our communities better rather than just throwing people in jail.
0: I have brought this up many times, and you brought up the idea of crack, right? There are two aspects that, I, that are interesting that most people don't see. The first one is the cheap, horrible drugs that destroy Americans— crack in the 80s and 90s. Now it's meth, yeah. right? Heroin, yeah. right? But there's always a cheap drug that is weak. I'm sorry, I thought we, that, that is a, a bad and impure and that hurts and destroys fentanyl now, right? Yeah. Destroying people. Yeah. People say, you know, we got to get these drugs off the streets. We got to punish these drug dealers. The fault is without question the war on drugs because the war on drugs has made the safe drugs too expensive, right? How do I know this? I, I have people I know, and, and people if you live in New York City, you know people who literally work on, you know, the Wall Street bankers. I live on Park Avenue now. They don't really work on Wall Street anymore. For those of you who don't know, New York City has changed tremendously since 9-11, and most of the bankers don't work on Wall Street anymore. Some do. Deutsche Bank, I think, still owns the building, if I'm not mistaken. But I think m- many of the people have moved to Park Avenue. So a lot of the bankers now are on Park Avenue, someplace like that. But a lot of these bankers, you know, they're literally doing coke. Or nowadays, they've actually changed. A lot of us snorting Adderall. Adderall is not the cool thing now. So they don't they don't snort coke. They snort Adderall instead. Literally snorting, at it, crack it up and, and snort Adderall. That's how they stay up and do all that work. They got to work 16, 18 hours a day. And where's the overdose? None. It's actually a safe drug. It may not be good. They may become addicts and that's bad. But some of these guys make $3 million a year so they can take you know half a million dollars and put it into their habit. So they don't care because they're making that kind of money. But but the point being, it's a safer drug. They're not dying of overdose. When's the last thing you it's heard? the cheap drugs. Yeah, the cheap drugs. that are the hard ones. Yes. Yeah, that's what kill you. Yes. So the poor people get hammered, right? So the war on drugs, the reason why people don't do cocaine and Adderall is because they're expensive or hard to get. So they go get something else, Fentanyl. right? Fentanyl. They actually try to get oxycodone if they can. They try to get the oxys if they can, right? They, say, they go, oh, my back hurts this week. And they go to six doctors They try to get oxycodone, crush it up and snort that or inject that or sell that, whatever the case may be. When that runs out, because now we're going to get these doctors, so now doctors don't prescribe as much. So now they can't get it anymore. So what do they do? Heroin. When heroin becomes too expensive, what do you get? Meth. These drugs came because of the war on drugs, there'd be no meth if there was no war on drugs. Literally, there'd be no meth if there was no war. The government made meth. The government made the heroin. It, it wouldn't exist. We wouldn't need it. We'd have better drugs. People would use better drugs. They would. Now, I, I remember during the uh, during the campaign. People would say, "But Larry, how can you be, you know, for this drug, that drug? You know, my son, my daughter, my so and so died." From this drug, an overdose. And I would literally say to the person, look, let me ask you a question if I could. When your your loved one died, was it like they were in a rehab and they came out and then they got a new dealer or something like that? They go, yeah, that's what happened. Or it was a fentanyl. Yeah, it was fentanyl. Yeah, 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 exactly. So to be clear, if that drug had been legal, while your loved one might still be an addict, they wouldn't be dead. The drug didn't kill your loved one. The war on drugs killed your loved one. If you want to blame somebody for your loved one's death, great. Blame every president since Nixon. Blame all of them. Every one of them could have ended a war on drugs. None of them did. You can blame them. Because if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't be dead. That's, I know that. Now you might say, well, Larry, you never had an addict in your family. Yes, I had. My mom was an addict. My mom went to prison. I, I, I've had one in my family. I know what it is. When, it's, when they have to choose between you or the drug, they choose a the drug. That's how that works. I get it. But the drug didn't kill them. The war on drugs did. The 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 market didn't necessarily make meth, the war on drugs did. Everything bad is because of our prohibition that every if you ever talk about prohibition from alcohol days, the exact same thing happened here. We have learned nothing. And it drives me crazy. I completely agree. End the war on drugs. It ends incarceration and then change our school system.
1: Well done, Larry.
0: There we go. Very See well that? done. There we go. That's yeah, the that's issue. A good one. Um, do you have a feeling on how we can change education? Joe asks. Do you have a way of you think of changing our education system, knowing that it's not going well itself? Right. Obviously, in the war on drugs, but now the system itself, education. Do we have a way of dealing with that? What I heard again last weekend during the uh, the government blockchain association event was many of the people there were worried that we don't have enough American kids learning the skills to be technically savvy. And that's what we're constantly having to hire foreign workers to come in or getting stuff done in India or China or Thailand or whatever the case may be, that we need better, stronger American workers And when it comes to technology. And they believe that starts in high school and junior high school. I don't know if that's true, but that's what, I, that's what they believed. What do you think? Any, any, any well, feeling either way?
1: Somehow, the United States is the greatest country in the world, indisputably. And I like to say it's because of our educational system. And it's locally based. The federal government really doesn't have anything to do with our education system. Well, Elementary, they fund it. No, no, no. Elementary through secondary is all done with property taxes. It's all with local school boards. And then state colleges, higher education is state. I know as a governor, I had to put Maybe in the in money. in Rhode Island. In New
0: York State, the, 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 the educational budget is about money. $4 billion dollars of federal money. Uh, in New York State, about it's about a sixty billion dollar budget, give or take, and about four billion comes from the federal government, and about if not 60, mistaken out of sixty out of sixty billion, yeah. So about four, 4 billion, billion, billion comes
1: in what form? Uh,
0: usually grants, but also depending upon how we do right. The, the the government, the federal government, decides on how good the schools are by numbers. It decides, and it's actually a, an a, an algorithm that most people don't even know how it works. I don't either. It's an algorithm they put together, and that's how the state funds it, and that's how the federal
1: government says It's probably special education funding because when the the Supreme Court passed the mandate that public education has to take every student, no matter what the physical or mental challenges might be, that was a mandate. Mm -hmm. The federal government said, well, we'll – Fund individual with disabilities education act IDA up to forty percent. They never have, but that is still a lot of money coming. It is to the four local communities. Is a That's lot. probably the four billion yes. coming on the special. But traditionally, uh, our education system has been locally based and elementary mm-hmm. through secondary, ju- elementary, junior high, and high school. And then state colleges have been funded by state budgets. I know as governor, sure, we had to put in the money for URI University of Rhode Island, Rhode Island yep. College, the state. Uh, institutions of higher education. And so that's one thing the federal government should kind of keep their fingers out of. I agree yes. completely, yeah. yes. Keep the funding for the special ed because it's a federal mandate. But other than that, leave it to what made America the greatest country in the world. That's a good education system.
0: But I, I think you find that that's Devoid not happening, of federal
1: right? interference.
0: I'm agreeing with you, but I think that's that's not happening. If you look at what's happening now, you're finding more and more centralization. Right, they're centralizing more. Federal government saying, if you want this grant, you must do X. State government saying, if you want this, you must do Y. So again, when it comes to New York State, I don't know Rhode Island at all, so I apologize for my ignorance on that. I only know New York State. New York State, out of that other 40 or $56 billion or so, it's about 50-50 local from state. It's about yeah, the 50/50. poorer
1: communities in Rhode Island get state Yes, assistance. about 50-50, right, yeah. give or take. But The richer the communities is, don't get any state aid.
0: Yeah, but but the, the state New, New Canaan, York state does, just does it with federal with, just does it with with uh, with um, strings attached, which creates more administrators. And in New York State, as an example, you know, the average teacher in New York State makes about eighty thousand dollars a year. Which, by the way, across the country is a very good salary. There are many t- t- states where teachers make a whole lot less. So you know, we're doing decent when it comes to teachers in New York. Now that's skewed by New York City. So some of the upstate communities teachers aren't doing so well. That's skewed, right, for the entire state. But the average administrator makes double that, over 150k. Some administrators in New York State make three or four hundred thousand dollars a year. They don't come anywhere near a student. They live. In, they actually work in separate buildings. Like they're not even working in the building. When I was a kid, you had like your principal and a couple of vice principals, and then you had some office staff. That was the entire school, right? And the rest of teachers. Now you've got like a whole separate building that monitors the people who deal with the kids and most of that is because of either state or federal mandates it's getting bigger and bigger i agree with you i just see the trend going in the opposite direction i see the trend moving closer and closer towards centralization and as things go wrong more centralization versus not less and i wish you would go back to less i, agree well, with I you do
1: completely. remember uh george w bush talking about the No Child Left Behind and all the billions of dollars oh, yes. in the federal program, I'm thinking— Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Keep your fingers out of a system that hasn't traditionally had federal involvement. It's working relatively well with the greatest country in the world. It always can be improved. But I, I was not a fan of No Child Left Behind. Well,
0: I bring this up, right? The Department of Education federally— Another federal program. Actually— I mean, it existed since the 1800s, but it was really just kind of like a library. It didn't really do anything, right? It didn't start doing anything until around 1980, give or take. That's when it actually started to have some teeth. And if you were to measure our kids from 1980 to now, in any way, it's all going down. I don't think the DOE is a good job in any case whatsoever. But let's do a, another part of this of, of school. How about the school or the mass Shootings. Do you have an opinion on that? On either the school shootings or now, now they're not school shootings anymore. Now they're mass shootings.
1: Uh, it's just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what happened in Connecticut in these various schools. Uh, the shootings. Yeah, Sandy sec- Hook was uh, second, Connecticut. Yep, second graders. It just boggles your mind. What kind of depravity, or uh, what? How, how's that possible? It just seems impossible. Yeah, uh, another human being could come in and shoot second graders. Uh, I just can't get my uh, answer to uh, what has occurred in society that now that it's happening f- too frequently.
0: Well, now you you find also it's not school shootings as much. Now it's just mass shootings, right? Yeah. So now it's at a theater. I mean, it started or with the Texas Tower.
1: a uh, sure. Texas, way back in the '60s. That oh, that's just, right. Yes, sure. I'm get one up in the tower and start. Yeah,
0: but that was once every couple of years, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yes. Do you do you do you have any feeling or any idea or any uh anything you want to say about mass shootings? Uh I, do you have an answer?
1: I absolutely do not have an answer. Okay. It's it just as we said, it used to be something that happened so rarely. And then some a post office it occurred with some post office workers that, that happened a couple of times and
0: they had that saying going postal. Going postal. Yes, this that's happened. right, yes, I remember uh, that saying. Yep. For
1: whatever reason. Uh, uh, several more than uh, frequently enough, so that the phrase actually came up. The postal workers, of all people, yes. Uh, but but from so these
0: mass shootings is
1: what you're seeing. in Las Vegas, the movement concert. Yeah, but now you
0: see the move for gun control, right? I mean, it used to be that Republicans were at least in theory anti-gun control. Now that's not true. Republicans are on board. Trump seems to be on board. They seem to be on board with it more and more. Um, now that Beto yelled, we're well, going to take your AR-15s, I, hopefully that's pulled them a little bit off the, the ledge, I hope. But I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. Do, I mean, this is this is my worry, right? As, as my views on the Second Amendment haven't changed. right? And to be forward again, I'm one of these weird guys. I don't own a firearm. I live in New York City. For me to own a firearm is basically asking to go to jail. So I don't own a firearm. But I still think your rights are your rights. Right, You you have a right to have it if you want to. It's not a requirement. If you don't want to have a gun, please don't buy a gun. But if you want one, you should be able to have one. If you want one, that's our Second Amendment rights. Enjoy. My worry is now the country is shifting so much anti-2A that even saying that you're just pro-2A in any way is, is going to wind up being a problem on the left and on the right. I don't think it matters. I don't know. Do you have an opinion either way?
1: Uh, I, I, I don't think that Beto... Uh saying that was politically smart, just talking politically. Right. I think even his own party. So I don't think the anti-2A people are uh, 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 gaining. My own reading of the political landscape right now, uh, even his own party had to rein him in and say, this isn't a winner for us politically. Shut up. Practically, correct?
0: I, I, I totally get that they said, hey, shut up. I got that. But my worry is they said shut up because we're going to take care of that later, right? Just shut up now, right? Keep it quiet now. We don't want people to know that we really think that. So once we get elected, then we'll bring you out from retirement and you can go take it right as guns. I mean, that's my worry. My worry is, is what he said is what they actually feel, right? And they tell them to be quiet because it may not be popular now because no one wants to imagine how horrible it will be to take guns. My whole issue up about this is, is I think most people don't realize that as a general rule, the people who are anti-2A don't actually come take your guns. They create an environment to where people don't want to buy guns, or to where people surrender their guns, or go into the black market, and then or buy more guns. But there's an old, there's a, a funny saying in the, in, in the uh, gun world that you know Obama was the number one gun salesman, right? Yeah, ever right. because he talked about the gun control and everybody went and bought guns, right? So the problem is now that whenever you find someone who has guns, they tend to have more than one. They can have three or four guns. So whenever they confiscate guns, it's never this is we, we went and confiscated Bob's guns. It's we found a stockpile or an arsenal of four weapons and their are assault weapons and thousands of rounds. And it's like this guy has three guns and a thousand rounds. That's not an arsenal. I worked in the armory and the Marine Corps. I know what an arsenal looks like. That's not one, right? We had literally hundreds of weapons, thousands of weapons. We had hundreds of thousands of rounds. We had lots and lots of ammunition. That's an arsenal. You know, three pistols in a thousand rounds, that's like an average gun owner, right? That's that's not a problem at all. But I think it's, it's a propaganda piece.
1: Well, uh, I know just politically speaking uh, that a lot of red states used to be blue. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia, oh, North yeah. Dakota, South Dakota. Yeah. changed over the years, and a lot of it had to do with 2A uh, issues. Sure.
0: Let me ask you a final question, if I could. It's, it's a bit personal, but I think it may give some insight for our audience. This comes from John. He says, what do you wish they had taught you in school?
1: I was happy. I had a public, good public education through seventh grade. Uh but do I wish they taught me? Uh I I was lucky I had good teachers. Oh that's all, good. I'm glad the way. I love uh, that. Uh, you know, if I, I could have gone back any bad experiences. I wish or,
0: they would have taught me about entrepreneurship. That I had to learn all on my own the hard way. Right? If if I had anything that I could go back and say what was wish school had taught me, it would have been how to start a business, what business is about understanding markets, any of those things. I wish high school had taught me that. I had to learn all of that the hard way on my own after I got out of the Marine Corps. And I wish I would have had a clue. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I had no clue. I was going in blind and I made terrible errors. I look back now and I go, wow, I can't believe I was that ignorant, that naive, the things that I did. It was terrible. I really wish I had I had learned more. That's well, a good one. Yes, well, Governor, I want to say thank you for coming tonight. I really well, thank appreciate you for it. Me. Um, I'm very happy. It was good. I think the audience got an idea of who you are and, and what you think. And I hope people reach out to you and, and chat with you more. And again, guys, if you want to help me out, please like all my social media. Like my Facebook page, Sharpway. Like my YouTube page, Sharpway. Like my Twitter and my Instagram, Sharpway. Like it all. It's important. We have to keep growing. And if you like what you're seeing, then support me in those ways. I hope to see you all next week. I will have the talented Matt Welch here from Reason Magazine. We'll have that for two hours. And again, this time, your phone calls. Thank you so much for those of you who piped in on the social media. We will have some live phone calls next week. I will see you then next week on The Sharp Way.
1: Thank you, Larry. Thank you.